Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings and welcome to the Power Station. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, a full-time podcaster and a silly sausage. Pew, 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 pew. I am Ash Versus. This episode originally aired on YouTube on the 28th of November 2021, then broadcast on E4 on December 1st, 2021. Which means, Ash, ho, 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 it's nearly time for the festive season. Yeah, it, it is very much nearly time for the festive season. Now, when we're recording this, we've just put our mailbag question sheet live for this month's Under Console Nation. And we've had four questions submitted so far three of which are festive related and I messaged you with that fact earlier because I knew that would warm your stockings that would it would do indeed I did a bit of Christmas shopping yesterday in fact uh, went to Maidstone and did some Christmas tree shopping and stuff because we're buying a new tree this year uh, so we were measuring out how much space we actually had in the new house it's all very very exciting I'm feeling very very festive at the moment I haven't watched a Christmas film yet I haven't listened to any Christmas tunes but I am getting ready for them now you measured the space you had for the tree did you then buy a tree that's probably going to be too big no 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 we because we're buying a fake tree and we have measured it like it's given us the space that it is the diameter that we need as we measured and it's in theory it's fine when we get it it might be a different story but according to my measurements everything is a-okay did you put it in a spreadsheet no spreadsheet no we actually just put parcel tape down on the floor to, to sort of mark it was basically a big x marks the spot on the floor to work out where it's going to go that makes sense that's good that's that's good practical advice luke see yeah. people come here for the games master but they also get their christmas tree choice advice Exactly. If your partner is holding on to a kid, they need parcel tape on the floor so they can get a visual representation of what the tree is going to look like. X on the floor of the parcel tape, me standing in the middle of that with the measuring tape up in the air for seven feet. 
so that my wife could see how tall the tree will be and how wide it will look. And because of your dedication to the subject matter, I'm assuming you were wrapped in tinsel. (laughs) Well, of course. How else would you get a picture what the tree's going to look like? Other clothes may have been advisable, though, Luke. Well, you know, you've got to give the neighbours a a reason to move into the area, haven't you? Thirst trap Luke Owen. (laughs) Anyway, enough about your baubles. Shall we move on? There's a new series of Games Master, Ash. Should we talk about that instead? Yeah, yeah. Let's stop stop talking about you terrifying your neighbours and uh, move on to the new series of Games Master. So we have had a week since the first episode's debut, uh, half a week since its E4 debut, and the YouTube debut was mostly positively received. There were some whingers, there were some complainers, and as I said, and you said, and a lot of people said, hey, you're not going to please everyone. But I am pleasantly surprised with how many people it did please, like the percentage of negative to positive. Yeah, it's like I said last week, I think it is probably erring on 90% positive. There are people who don't like the new show, but I think most of those people went in not wanting to like it, and have therefore not liked it. And I have been so wonderfully surprised going through twitter and looking at the games master hashtag and people being like yeah this is actually really good or you know in some cases this is way better than i thought it was ever going to be they've really captured the spirit of the original this feels like the old show but something new i'm really enjoying the new host and you know the people who don't like it have got really arbitrary reasons not to like it my favorite being it's not like the original show and to those people i would wager they haven't seen the original show in 30 years and don't actually remember what it was like. No, they're just like, oh, there's too much chat and segments and not enough gaming. It's like, go and look at the ratios on the original shows. Oh, 100%. Particularly as we get into Series 4 and beyond, where suddenly you're down to two challenges because Games Master wants instead to see a feature about the launch of the Sega Saturn or the Sony PlayStation exactly. or Lawnmower. I mean, fool. Lawn Mower Man 2. It was a fun feature, but really, did we need to see Lawn Mower Man 2 over another challenge? That's exactly it. Like, you know, and Games Master always had a different feel for every series. Series 1 doesn't feel like Series 2 and vice versa. Series 2 doesn't feel like Series 3. Series 3 doesn't feel like Series 4. Every one had its own distinct taste. And this one has also got its own distinct taste. So I, I think, yeah, the people who are like, it's not the show I remember, have not misremembered the show, but have a different version of what the show was in their head most like i bet you they all said it was like 10 challenges an episode or you know it was just nothing but challenges and there was no features or reviews because like if you asked me that would be what i would have said it was video game challenges i mean we are getting more challenges per episode now which you would expect it being like a 40 odd minute runtime without the adverts we're also getting longer challenges mm-hmm. like the first challenge in this episode a challenge of that length would never never have gone It's such a long challenge. There's a challenge before the challenge. I will say, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, because I made the tweet about, like, you know, you cannot like something. I can't remember the exact words, but essentially... Don't be a dick about it. Don't be a dick. Wheaton's rule. And one person replied going, I didn't like it, but I really hope it's successful. Or words to that effect. And I'm just like, that's a textbook way to not like a show. It's like, it's not for me, but I hope it's successful because other people are enjoying it, rather than going... It's not for me. I hate it. I hate everyone who likes it. Snowflakes, 
wokeism rag. I was going through the YouTube comments on the you know on episode two. The very like the one that's got you know like the least amount of traction on it is someone who's just said quote bid ott with the diversity agenda. And my favorite thing about that was someone replied to it being like, oh no, two women diversity's gone mad, ain't it? Man, it's it's just like it's all over. It's all over for the white male. <laughs> two women. Whatever will happen next. But that's fine. You know what? My overwhelming take of this and the thing that makes me the most happy is that the 90% that it has got through to are really enjoying it. And I am so hopeful that this does get another run. I really, really do. The ratings for the show for last week's E4 debut weren't great. And the the YouTube numbers are, are pretty good. I don't know what E4 were expecting. All we know is that the rating that it got on E4 last week was way below what a show in that time slot got the previous week. But if you added in the YouTube viewers that it had accumulated by that point, it was much closer to the average. Exactly, yeah. But it's also a global audience and things like that. But like, you know, it depends on what E4's metrics of success are. We don't know what they are. It's the same people like, you know, in my wrestling uh, landscape, AEW's numbers are, you know, 1 million, sometimes below 1 million, around the 800,000 mark. And we get people telling us being like, oh my God, the show's dying. Like the show is a complete ratings failure. It's like, well, no, TNT wanted 500,000 or more and they're getting in some cases double that so the rating's not like so we would sit here and be like man the rating on e4 wasn't great but you know e4 might have had way less expectations than that in which case they've been blown away by the number especially because as they've been stating since the uh the article that we ran with back in january this is going to be a social first a social media venture which they have never done before Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so really, they don't, they can't just hold this up to say a Taskmaster or a, I don't know, Lego Masters. That's the other yeah. one. There we are. Taskmasters, Lego Masters, Bake Masters. Is that the other one? Bake Masters. Yeah, Married at First Masters. Euro Trash Masters. I think that's coming <laughs> back. But yeah, they they can't just compare it to a standard show that goes out on E4 or Channel 4 and go, well, this is the line and this is where it sits on it because they're doing stuff differently and. As we will probably cover more in our series wrap-up, I have questions about the marketing tactics that have been taken with this show. And that's nothing to do with the folks making it, who we've spoken to, and nothing to do with their passion or their love for the project. I just find it bizarre the places I've seen Games Master advertised, but more importantly, the places I haven't seen it advertised. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more when we get to the wrap-up show, which, you know, funny enough, isn't going to be in a couple of weeks' time, be in a fortnight. The shortest series we've ever done so far. But do you know what? Let's, let's get into this episode, because for my money, this was better than the first episode. And that's not to say the first episode was a slouch. No. But this episode hit the ground running and just kept going. And it was a funny comment I saw in our Discord, actually, from someone that's just going, oh, they're way more comfortable in this one. You know, you can tell they found their feet, which is hilarious because most of this was filmed before the third day. In fact, only one challenge on this was filmed on the third day and a couple of linking bits of material. All the other stuff was from day one and two and VT inserts. Yeah, so maybe it's just that the edit feels slightly tighter. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on what it is either. But this did feel like a much smoother show than episode one did. Like all of those minor quibbles I had when we did episode one last week are completely gone in this episode. The the commentary feels really tight, which is, as you say, is weird because this is from early days of the recording. The all the introductions feel good. The green screen feels great. The VTs are banging. There's a VT in this that I text you and said, 
this this segment with the kids is charming as fuck. It really is. It is a hilarious segment. And in fact, most of the VTs in this episode are going to upset someone for some reason. Good. Good. Hello and welcome to Games Master, where brave souls compete to win a legendary Games Master golden joystick, despite the fact they can be easily made at home for about a tenner. Now, I'm going to take slight umbrage with that comment there, Rab, because we've been speaking with people, well, speaking with someone rather, who's been making their own Games Master golden joysticks, and it ain't a f***ing tenner, I can tell you that much. You cannot get those joysticks for a tenner now because they're vintage, Luke. They're collector's items, especially if you want one that works or is in decent nick. Yeah, or you buy one in CEX. You just never buy one in CEX. (laughs) It's a fun intro as well, because we get more of that kind of banter about, you know, his paycheck, Frankie's paycheck, Ty's paycheck, and the amount they're being earned by their, the more E4 appropriate hosts. Even like, you know, we get to the, the bit just in just a second when Rab makes a joke about Steely Dan and Frankie's just like, Steely Dan, it's an E4 show, mate. Yeah, who's Steely Dan? And I'm just sat there going, oh, God, I feel old. Frankie did qualify with you though on Twitter that it was just a joke. She does know who Steely Dan is. Steely Dan, it's that sequel to the PlayStation 1 game, Crazy Ivan. <laughs> Shall we get into our first challenge? What are we playing, Games Master? This challenger will be playing the highly anticipated 2021 release Deathloop, which features Colt, an assassin stuck in a time loop who must take out targets known as visionaries in order to break the loop. In this agonizingly tricky challenge, scientist Dr. Wenji Evans has created clones of herself, which the challenger must kill in 90 seconds or less. A particularly tight time limit, as our challenger will have to attack aggressively where in normal circumstances stealth would be preferable. So this game is, I don't, I've heard a lot about this, but I actually, this is the first time I've seen anything about it. But like the, the concept of, you know, Groundhog Day, but Goldeneye does quite appeal to me in some way. But yeah, this is my first actual viewing of something to do with Deathloop. It's on my to playlist, as in I want to play it. I don't own it yet because I already own enough games that I'm not getting to play. But this sort of game definitely seems up my alley. The people that made this game made the Dishonored games, which I absolutely loved. It uses the engine from the Dishonored games. And whilst this challenge doesn't show it, sneaky, sneaky, stealthy, stealthy. I do like games that let me do the sneaky, sneaky, stealthy, stealthy. It's how I play a lot of these type of kind of first person, open world, mission-y games. By default, I run around Far Cry 5 with a shovel, because why wouldn't you? I played Dishonored as sneakily as possible, killing people and dumping them in bins. Because why wouldn't you? And I'm sure that when I get to this game, when I get to play this game, I will not be playing it like our challenger does. But I am very, very much looking forward to it. It's worth noting that the challenges were filmed the first week of October. This game was released on September the 14th. Not a lot of time particularly if it's not a game you'd play normally and it's a game where they were like, can you come in and play this? You've got a week. It's not a game that you might have just played like based on gaming entropy or it appearing on a Game Pass or a PlayStation Plus downloadable deal, which I'm sure it's where it will end up in about a year or so's time when Sony are looking for something to uh, boost their Christmas with. It's the most like an original series challenge in that way, I guess, because there was a lot of challenges that we had, particularly in series four uh, and when we get into sort of series five and stuff, when we they are new games and they're playing them on review board copies of them. So like the first time they would have really got to play them would have been 
on the day they got to the shoot. This isn't like, you know, later on we get Carpe, which came out a couple of years ago, Speedrunners, which has been out for a few years. And, or, you know, actually last week where we had Ketchup and Mustard playing Mortal Kombat 11, a game they know inside and out. Our challenger here, this might have been one of the first times she'd actually got around to playing this game. And you made the point earlier as well. This is a challenge that is counterintuitive to the way to play the game. The game is about stealth, but she has not got time on her side, so she has to rush through it, which makes it an insanely difficult challenge. And also, a lot of the gimmick of the game, to my understanding, and I'm sure those that will have played it will correct me if I'm wrong, is it can be about learning patterns, about learning where targets go, what they do, where the guards are, what routes they follow. Now, obviously, she'd been practicing this. That's absolutely fine. And we'll get onto her introduction in a moment because it's spectacular. It's one thing to go through a game and memorize patterns, memorize paths, know where guards are going. It's something that you and I probably do on, say, like Sonic games, older games, 2D platformers a lot. You know when that badnik is going to scroll onto the screen, almost like muscle memory by now. But it's another thing to do that under a time constraint to be prepared for a challenge and also to have to do it in 90 seconds or in the precursor to those 90 seconds, knowing that you only have 90 seconds to do the main part of the mission. It's crazy pressure. It's not an enviable task. I thought the Call of Duty task was tough last week. I think this is tougher. Who's up for this one then? Games Master. And you are? I'm Kate Feltsdy. I am a full-time streamer and silly sausage. I understand you are passionate about first-person shooters. However, Deathloop is a new game. And if you lose, then you join me down here in the abyss. Confident? No, not at all. But I'm having a great time. (laughs) What a fascinatingly odd creature you are. Let's meet our contestant, K-Pow, who is a full-time streamer and a very silly sausage, who is an absolute delight on this show. Can we also just give amazing props for her entrance into the Games Master's chamber to meet the Games Master? It's full superhero Spider-Man type stance, which impresses me because one, it's difficult to land something like that. Two, we saw the green screen area. I don't know how they achieved it, but I'm very, very glad that it worked and it came off right because it looks pretty badass. They reiterate here, you know, this is a new game, so she's not that confident about it. But hey, do you know what? At least she's going to have a good time playing it. And that is a great attitude to have. Games Master finds her a fascinatingly odd creature. Interestingly, I did a bit of a look up on her and found out what she liked to play. She loves tea, by the way. She loves tea and she loves being by the sea. She also loves Sea of Thieves, which I guess is kind of where being by the sea comes from, and Bethesda titles, which would be interesting because Deathloop was published by Bethesda. Uh-huh. She is a great presence both in the chamber and when she makes her entrance onto the gaming level. Well, she's lucky to get away with that bit with her life. Like, I know this series of Games Master is all about life and death. Like, you know, you either win and you get a joystick or you don't and you get sent into a fiery pit of abyss. But in some cases, you might make your entrance to the Games Master platform and get murderized before you even get to speak to the Games Master, which is what happens to the next chap that comes through. Games Master literally says, next, and this head pops through because the teleporter cuts them in half. Now, this head looked familiar, and I'm not sure why. Now, we already know there were some props left behind at the pump station, which is actually where the Abyss Chamber came from, from a film that was previously made there. Was there a severed head left in the chamber at all? Because 
this this prop head just drops out of somewhere and games master's like mm, need to get that fixed yeah it's, it's a bit like a, an end game where the uh they, they chop off one of the lad's arms by using the time portal thing and closing it as he was coming through it's, it was a really really funny gag i mean i'm I right here bloody hell that's a dark joke but it, it it works for this new series. Earning that 10 p.m. time slot, Luke. Earning <laughs> that 10 p.m. time slot. So Rab here thinks that, and, and I might be in agreement with him here, the most difficult challenge that the whole series has set, which is kind of, it's a very Games Master thing to say, because we used to get that a lot in like the earlier series, Dominic Diamond being like, this might be the hardest challenge we've seen yet. I mean, they literally say it later on in the show as well with the Cuphead challenge. But I, yeah, this does seem dead tough. Because as I mentioned earlier, like it's counterintuitive to how you play this game. It's a stealthy, stealthy game, and you're playing it like Doom? That cannot work in your favour. It's like doing a run and gun, and you've got the soldiers, you've got the grunts that are there and looking for you. You've got the security cameras with their basically motion-activated gun turrets, which do a very, very good job of locking onto you and making you into a bloody human colander. It's not an easy challenge. And again, this first bit isn't actually the challenge. Yeah. I mean, Frankie does say that you should never go full pew, pew, pew. Well, actually, no, she says you should go full pew, pew, pew. I made the note of you should never go full pew, pew, pew. Because you mentioned there, this is a challenge before the challenge. It's a first in Games Master where she has got to get to the lab first and then the time kicks in, which means, as they point out, she could die before the challenge even starts. And Rab does remind her of you know what the forfeit is if she loses the challenge which is the flesh being torn from her very skull her very heart will explode from the very horror and there were too many verys there very very bad writing i thought it was very funny yeah i enjoyed it um verily it reminds me of that bit in the world's end where it's like how did, what, your mum dying of cancer what was that like and he's like three words very very sad no way that's only two really very sad <laughs> She does make it to the lab, but she did lose half of her life in the process. So she goes and heals herself before she gets in. And what I liked about this pre-challenge challenge is that it sets up something that will come into play in the second half of this. As someone who has not played this game, as someone who's never seen this game, I enjoyed something that Rab mentioned on commentary where he said, now, Frankie, what are those blue lines? And Frankie tells him, that's the security cameras. So the security cameras, like you activate them and then they essentially track you and they fire upon you. It causes her a bit of scupper in the first half of this, but it is her undoing in the second half. Without that line and that explanation, I don't think I would have known what happens in the second half of the challenge. Because what happens is she goes through, she kills a couple of these clones, and then she turns around and gets turned into mincemeat. And literally her health just goes bop, 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 bop. And it's because she activated all the security cameras. And they're pointing this out over and over again on commentary. And it was the the real strength of this challenge, which is a very fun challenge anyway, but the real strength of it was down to Frankie and Rab explaining to you, the viewer, why she didn't win this challenge. Yeah, I mean, to go back to season one, episode 10, she got trigger happy, Luke. <laughs> she did get trigger happy indeed. She got trigger happy. Yeah, you did a bit. It's something which I've done. I haven't played this game, but something I've done in other games where you do have those security watch out or sentries, be they human, camera, robot or otherwise. You take them out first because then you're free to move around and just go, you know, stabby death or shooty death or whatever you want to do. And if you are actually going to have to run and gun it, it's even more important because you can probably firefight off the enemies. In this case, like, what is it, 15 clones? 
of the same scientist. You could probably kind of like box yourself into a corner and then just kind of strafe back and forwards and take most of them out, maybe even in the time, which is a very short space of time. But you've got to take out those cameras. I thought that she was doing it on purpose because they mentioned on commentary that by triggering the alarms and triggering the security cameras, everyone's going to come gunning for her. And I thought, well, that's a smart move because that means the 15 clones that she needs to kill will come to her rather than her going to them. Where the plan sort of falls down is that she doesn't then shoot the security cameras after she's triggered them. And I mean, you know, credit to her. With a minute left on the clock, she had nine kills. She was only six away from winning this. Yeah, she she didn't do badly. She still had time on the clock. And I think if she'd just taken the five, ten seconds at the beginning to at least take out one of the security cameras, maybe two, she might have done this. But it was a hard as balls challenge and she did panic. Pressure of the day. No criticism on that whatsoever because I'd have probably done the same. In fact, I'd have definitely done the same. Yeah, it's a really, really tough challenge. And as I said, I like to play these games stealth-like. I like to take my time for someone to turn around to me and go, and you've got to do it in 90 seconds. God, no. I'd just walk myself into the abyss. I wouldn't even do the embarrassment. I'd just be like, good day to you, sir. Boom, off I go. I think Kay even mentioned that in the post-match, really, there, where she's like, it all just got too much. She just she literally just forgot the cameras were there. And you forgot to take them out. I think, you know, if you got your mindset on one task, that one slip really is going to be your downfall. And it's a real shame. But yeah, big ups. Not only does she not kill off all the wenges, not only does she not get a golden joystick, but she gets to go to the abyss. And she gives it a proper scream when she goes down. (laughs) A proper go at the green screen. I really enjoyed that. And spoilers, I think her death acting is better than the actual actor that we have in a little bit. I also especially love when she hits the lava at the bottom. They make it quite a slow one. You can kind of hear the gurgling, and the legs are just kind of waving backwards and forwards. They go really comedy, kind of Monty Python, Looney Tunes-esque kind of animation on this. And I'm, I'm here for it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the sight gag with the severed head. I loved her performance and behavior and mannerisms all the way through. This was fun. From death loop to, well, death. Oh, he's he's there with those zingers, Luke. He's there. Now, have you ever wondered how video game combatware would stand up in some real-life tests? Me neither, but they made me do it anyway. And don't worry, we haven't forgotten to feature the kind of combatware designers like to put female characters in. We get a VT up next for uh, video game combat gear, because have you ever wondered, Ash, how would they stand up in actual modern warfare? I mean, Rab hasn't. I genuinely have because I do actually think it's an issue. But also I just want to point out, obviously Rab shot these gantry shots separately from when the audience were in. We know this because the audience were up there when we were in for the tapings. But the crane shot that starts this segment off was definitely a night three crane shot because saw friend of the podcast, Eurisco there. Every now and again with his Dave Perry t-shirt, you can spot him a mile away. Yeah, absolutely. He's there being a games animal of his own. Uh, But yeah, so definitely some night three footage there. But no, I have wondered how these sorts of things stand up. And as soon as this segment started, I immediately knew what one of the costumes were going to be, but I didn't know how they were going to achieve it. Boy, howdy, I was not disappointed on either front. This, this is Frankie's segment here. 
uh, you know, she mentions as a real life woman, she wants to sort of know how uh, these fake women um, manage to get through the life that they're in. You know, do they need how much nipple tape do they need to give off the right amount of side boob? And we get a lot of like footage here of gratuitously drawn and animated female characters within games to that are there to show off ample amounts of cleavage. I will come to the defense of one of them, though. I don't think it's fair to lump Armika into this. Armika is a professional wrestler. And as you know, you and I have worked within the professional wrestling field, particularly when Armika was introduced into the Street Fighter universe, it was the style at the time to be wearing that sort of a revealing outfit. So I think it's unfair to throw Armika in there. However, throwing Blaze from Streets of Rage 4 is a perfect example of this because she is a ludicrous drawing. Absolutely ludicrous. And yeah, I will give some defense to the wrestling side of things. I mean, working with wrestlers... And particularly because one of the main wrestling companies I work with, if not the main wrestling company I work with, is entirely women's based. They wear the costumes they want to make them look how they want. Some go for the more full coverage, others don't. I do know a lot of them wear multiple bras because you've got to keep things secure, Luke. That was one thing that one of them directly told me was just like, I think it was they took basically a pancake move in the ring and they... They landed right on their chest. And I said afterwards, you know, I was chatting with them. I'm like, are you all right? Because that was a nasty, nasty bump. And they're like, yeah, I was fine. The two bras provided some extra padding. And I'm just like, awesome. There we go. That's a veteran move right there. That's a veteran move. You're protecting yourself both with padding and from snappage. However, I think the rest of the examples they give here are very, very fair uh, to make, particularly when it comes to the outfit that Armand Grado is wearing here. Because we've got Rab, in full protection as Big Daddy from Bioshock. We've got Ty in a ghillie suit from Call of Duty. And Grado, oh boy, Grado, and a right stitch up is Quiet from Metal Gear Solid 5. Now, I haven't played a Metal Gear Solid game since the original one on the PlayStation. So I had no idea who Quiet was. Is this like, uh, I'm, I'm just going to do a quick Google now to see how accurate they got this outfit. Oh, amazingly accurate, I will say. Bloody, that's insane. Like that is, that's a ridiculous decision. That is an insane decision. It is indeed a crazy decision. But Luke, it's okay. There's a storyline reason. <laughs> of course there is. They revealed that character. And Kojima and Co. did catch some flack from it because it's just like... It's a bit dead or alive. Yeah, it, it's a dead or alive. She is she is wearing very little, and yet here she is, a trained sniper. Um, she has been infected with a parasite, a sci-fi parasite. It's also, I believe, the reason she can't talk and therefore why she's called quiet. She can't open her mouth to speak. She can only breathe through her skin. Uh-huh, I see. Now... This would hold water if not for the fact, and again, I'm open to be corrected by the internet on this, as I'm sure the internet would love to do. This is the second character in the Metal Gear universe to have been infected with this virus and have a similar problem, but I believe they wore more clothes, being as they were a bloke. Huh. I mean, I, unlike Frankie, I am not a real-life woman, but I also have questions. It is essentially Kojima going, I want a scantily clad woman, it's probably going to upset some people. I best make sure I've got plot armor on this one because we haven't given her any real armor. And this is not saying you shouldn't enjoy Metal Gear Solid 5. This is not saying you shouldn't enjoy Quiet. There are plenty of people, men, women or other, that all like Quiet. But the plot reason for her essentially running around sniping people in a bikini and fishnets, and I'm not sure why the fishnets, Luke. 
I don't know why the fishnet. Very breathable. Very, very breathable. You know, and the the plot reason for it is fairly weak source. Yeah, at least Sega were just like, no, Blaze looks cool like this. Look how, look how massive her tits are. Play the game. You know, <laughs> well, she does that because it makes her kicks more impactful. Yeah, and her underwear doesn't cut her in three, which is impressive when she does those kicks. Well, thankfully, we don't have Rab or Ty in that. They're wearing full, full protection. You know, we've got Big Daddy and we've got the ghillie suit here, which is very good, particularly when you're being pelted with fruit and veg, which our man Grado here takes right in the plums. Yep, plum tomatoes. Oh, man, right in the sack he takes that one. It's for me, though, it's the assault course that made this segment for me. Because, I mean, Rab comes unstuck here. He, he's well protected. He is okay. But that big daddy suit is a very, very good big daddy suit as well. Is not made for an assault course. No, he has distinct issues getting his leg over. Grado is as nimble as Grado normally is, but he also doesn't have much kind of protection. And it is kind of a barbed wire lattice he's trying to get through. But Ty, Ty in his ghillie suit, here's a dude that's faced an assault course before because he just goes down on the ground and army shuffles his way through it. He's putting his hours in Call of Duty to good use. He knows how this works. We also get a great nip slip from our boy Grado. Is this the first nip slip in Games Master history? Did they edit out some on Auntie Marisha? We may never know, but this is definitely, to our knowledge, the first nip slip in Games Master history, and it is gratuitous. We're talking Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl level gratuitous on this one. Hello, Frankie's ending line here of let's start dressing women for combat, not beaches. Oh, and give us pockets too. Never have truer words been said. Although I will say in the defence of the quiet costume and words I cannot believe are leaving <laughs> my mouth, does have a utility belt with pouches. Well, you know, there you go. But they're probably full of ammo because there's nowhere else that the ammo could be carried. But I also totally agree, uh, having been shopping with a number of people where they're like, oh, this looks good and it's got pocket. Oh, they're fake pockets. Do you know what's worse than no pockets, Luke? Fake pockets. <laughs> fake pockets. And yeah, it, it's, it's just like, oh, well, it ruins the lining. It's like, well, cool. There's also nowhere to put stuff. I, so I came under fire on this uh, on the WrestleTalk podcast a few, a couple of years ago now. I went on a tirade about how women's jeans don't have pockets on them because I think it is a ludicrous thing. And it's basically just a, it's a con, it's a scam to make women then buy handbags to keep stuff in. And I got contacted by a lot of people who work within the fashion industry that listen to the podcast who were very, very upset with me and gave their reasons as to why there aren't pockets on women's jeans and i think all of those reasons are fucking bullshit i'm not going to argue with you mate and just just one last note on quiet and metal gear solid uh there are a number of aspects to quiet's character that i'm not going into here partly because they're spoilers partly because some of them are actually quite unpleasant but again i'm not saying that you can't enjoy metal gear solid 5 i'm i'm not saying that quiet is a bad character she's really not i'm just saying that there are some aspects of her character that, that they didn't need to be the way they were She's very, she's very Kojima, is how I would say it. She is. And I will just say, they did, as part of the build-up to Metal Gear Solid V, release a quiet action figurine type deal who had soft, pliable breasts. But don't worry, Luke, there's a plot reason for oh. why she dresses the way she does. <laughs> 
Well, let's move on from some of that unpleasantness, get into our celebrity challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? For this next challenge, I've chosen Override 2 Super Mech League. It's a ferociously fast-paced and explosive battle where choosing the right mech is incredibly important, as each has its own individual combat style. Challengers would also need to use their environment to their advantage by launching buildings at their opponent and whatever else they can get their hands on. This will be a single round, a one versus one battle to the death. Friggin' hell, this game looks like a lot of fun. This looks like the PlayStation 2 Xbox Godzilla games which I absolutely adored. And yeah, this looks right up my alley. Massive mechs kicking the crap out of each other in a big, in a tiny, tiny town. Bring it on. See, I was thinking it reminds me of the old King of the Monsters challenges we had back in the original run. It's that kind of like big button mashing, destroy the city stuff. But yes, absolutely the Godzilla games, the ones I've still got on the GameCube, plus there's the PS4 version, plus uh, Virtual On from Sega. Reminds me a little bit of that. That's pretty cool. But this is Override 2 Super Mech League. We're seeing it here on the PS5. Uh, it's also available on the PS4, various Xboxes from 1 to X to S, also the Nintendo Switch, also Microsoft Windows, and it's a sequel to the game Override Mech City Brawl. It's an interesting choice of game because it's a December 2020 game. It didn't come out that recently, and also... While it does look fun, didn't get the best reviews. It's a, oh, yeah? it's a solid middling game. Like, it looks a lot of fun, but I think essentially it's a bit shallow. Now, yeah. did they choose this game because it's a game that our challenger was good at? Or did they choose this game because it's a game our champion was good at? Both are entirely valid and not criticisms at all. Because at the end of the day, as we've covered many times, and I'm sure we'll talk about again, this entire show was put together very, very quickly. So you go with the games people know, especially if you want it to be a good fight. My guess would be that it's our champion. Like, you know, whether they asked him, what what games are you really into at the moment? And, that you know, they listed off what games they had. And they're like, cool, those are the three that we'll pick out from there then. Because I will say, you know, little lad Larry, he knows what he's doing with this. He knows his onions on this game. He knows exactly how the power-ups work. He knows the really good tactics to use and what tactics to exploit in order to get a good win. So I would imagine it's the latter. And again, I wouldn't say that's a criticism. I think that's actually a smart play. The whole point of this celebrity challenge here is we want your champion to be undefeated. Um, so I, I think it's absolutely play to their strengths. Yeah, and it's not like it's a boring game to watch. It looks pretty fun. It's big, bold graphics. It's a decent length challenge. I'd have loved for it to have been one of the Godzilla games, but I imagine they're difficult to license as well because I don't think most of them are actually available at this point. I know I bought my copy on the PS4 when it was very cheap and just before it went unavailable. And nowadays, phew, it's pricey to get hold of. Because I think it Matthew is, yeah. from Botchamania was trying to get hold of a copy and CEX were charging an arm and a leg for it. Like when I got my PS4, it was one of the first games that I purchased for it because, you know, fan and all that. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a perfectly fine game. Uh, it also hasn't got local multiplayer. So that might have been one of the other reasons. It's only online uh, versus. There are some games I can understand why they don't do local multiplayer. For that one, it's just fucking ah. stupid. Who goes there? Ah, oh, Games Master. I've missed you. Who are you? Me games masters. It's Warren. Um Warren Brown? Hmm. Stripeback? No. Luther? No no? Sorry, no. Now you're going up against the almighty little lad Larry. Do you feel confident? 
Oh, I'm very confident, Games Master. You can leave now. Cheers, Games Master. You look different, but really good. Thanks. I got my hair did. Wait, Hollyoaks? Our challenger for this, our celebrity, in fact, is Warren Brown from... Oh, um... Oh, no, is, um... Hollyoaks? Was it? Was he? Was he in Holly? Hmm. It, it might have been. Was he Hollyoaks? This was so much fun, partly because of our new games master and his delivery on it, but also Warren was great. It's like, hey, games master, it's great to have you back. It's me, Warren. Hello. And yeah, he is actually from Hollyoaks, amongst many other things. Uh, I will say that probably one of the roles I actually know him for, I think, is Hollyoaks because he played a large role in some of the late night more mature Hollyoak episodes they did. Uh, I'm not going to go into the character's details on this podcast because they are deeply unpleasant. And I would say if you're going to read his Wikipedia page, don't do it in polite company. Mm -hmm. That's for the character, not the actor. The actor's lovely. But as was pointed out in the live stream last night, and as you called, <laughs> one, of our, one of our listeners, one of our friends, one of our patrons, a nerd for knowing, <laughs> and yet quite well known for his roles in the big finish Doctor Who audios which is a fact i also had written down so yeah it's just fun to rag on matty sometimes the big yeah. nerd that he is he is but then again to be honest mate we're both nerds i mean look at what we're doing with our lunchtime <laughs> he's also known for luther played justin ripley in that also played mac McAllister in the tv series strike back um which i've never seen and i haven't seen luther but i did see him in Hollyoaks, and i have listened to the doctor who audios he's in He's a fun guy. He was a great guy to get on this show because also he's well into it. He's well up for it. And he plays up to the role and he plays up to little lad Larry. What's great about him is that he comes in and plays up to the fact that he is not a really famous celebrity. Like, you know, he is. People know, you know, his name. And if you Google him, you're going to get results. Rab literally asked, why are you a celebrity? And he plays up to that when he's speaking with the Games Master as well. He's in on the joke. And that's really, really fun. Also, speaking of in on the joke, he's like, it's great to see you again. You're looking good. Different. Very different. And Games Master's like, thanks, I had my hair done. <laughs> Which is amazing as well, because like all of us at the time filming on that green screen, he had no idea who the Games Master was. But he was going to be right, because he's like, you're looking good. Different. Yeah. Very different. It's amazing how well that worked out. But also, he's an actor, and he showed his chops here. More so than he did later, but we'll get to that. I like Rab accusing him of writing his own Wikipedia page to say that he was a, a former world champion Thai boxer. This is the point where I was actually looking very closely at Warren's reaction going, have you been editing your own Wikipedia page? We all know they do it, Luke. Oh yeah, I know they do. And as Warren departs, Games Master finally gets an iota of recognition where he's like, Hollyoaks? Were you in Hollyoaks? I uh, particularly enjoyed Rab challenging Warren to show off his kickboxing skills. Warren's like, oh no, not in these jeans. The old, you know, the, the usual excuse that people would tend to give in this sort of situation. Not our boy Ty Logan though. He's straight up there. Bam, here's a kick for you. That's how, that's how cool I am. I tell you what, Luke, you know what Warren needs? He needs some of those action gusset trousers. You remember those? I do indeed. Yeah, the Chuck Norris ones. He needs some Chuck Norris action gusset. But I do like the fact that Rab doesn't just talk about like his career as an actor. He's like, you also do a lot of very short-lived roles and get killed off. Why is that? Is it because the production teams hate you? <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus. He's gunning for that Sean Bean gimmick. 
yeah, he's going for the Sean Bean gimmick and he says maybe he's the best at dying. But again, Luke, we'll get to that. Back when I was a wayward teenager, Games Master was busy creating a gaming legend. He was unbeatable, an icon to young gamers across the nation. They called him Big Boy Barry. But now the Padawan has surpassed the Jedi. Now the new generation has their own hero to worship. And it's past his bedtime. These little introductions here for Little Lad Larry are really, really good. I actually enjoyed Rab doing the intro for this one. It was it was great fun. They're using the same little bits of video footage, but just playing with the captions, playing with the timing. It's some great stuff. And Larry makes his way out with his dubstep-infused entrance. There is a lot of dubstep in this show, and I think part of it is being modern, and part of it is also a bit of a nod and a wink to the fact that dubstep isn't quite at the forefront as it used to be. I still like it. It's still fine enough, but he's amazing. He's an absolute natural. He takes after his dad. And Larry says, his dad is a very good one. He made him born, Luke. He made me born. It's such a great line. I love that because uh, Alex was on Twitter uh, yesterday talking about this. Was like, I think this is the day where he had a lot of sugar before we started recording. <laughs> oh, mate, you couldn't tell. You could very much tell. You couldn't <laughs> tell, but he's great. And you can see Frankie cracks, Ty cracks, Rab cracks. There are some times where something like this could be very cynical in its manipulation and the kid would not want to be there. But Larry looks like he is having the time of his life. It's so good. He's got a room full of people chanting his name. He's got a cool entrance and he's getting to do something with his dad. That's pretty fucking cool, man. It's really, really lovely. Also, I love the fact there were kids in the audience this time round as well. There were yeah. like, no kids there. I thought that was a really nice touch. Now, I reached out to big boy Barry to see if we could find out a bit of insider scoop on little lad Larry. And there were some negotiations went back and forth. Don't look at the PayPal balance, Luke. There were some negotiations went back and forth and we have... Four exclusive facts about Little Lad Larry. Look at this podcast. Hey, we don't just drop the exclusive that a book is coming. We don't just have Dominic Diamond's final interview. This is why you come to this show. It's exclusive nuggets like this. Little Lad Larry's first word was Mario. That's tough as well. Multiple syllables there. Yeah, yeah. Smart kid. His hobbies include making celebrities cry. (laughs) He is only allowed to eat his greens after he destroys the competition online. And that's not just a one-off, Luke. That's every day. That's how you, that's how you become a champion. And he takes after his dad in that his favourite food is deep-fried sausages in custard. Mmm, delightful. Those facts were worth every single penny. Thank you to his manager slash representative slash person who made him born, Big Boy Barry, for speaking with us on that. So we've got Warren playing as Maya and Larry is playing as Watchbot. Who has got the EMP burst that Larry will spam to uh, to stun you for just a few moments and then batter you into submission? And that is what happens a lot in this fight. Larry stuns him, batters him, goes and charges, goes back, stuns him, batters him, goes back and charges. It's I'm making it sound like it's one-sided. It's not that one-sided. But there is a distinct difference between Larry playing this and Warren playing this in that Larry knows what he is doing and Warren played it that day. I think Warren may have played it a little bit more than that because he does get some damage in. Like towards the end, it actually gets pretty close. But I'm going to out nerd the fact that Warren was on Doctor Who because I was looking at the IDs, the PlayStation IDs of the controllers logged on to play this. And 
over on Larry's side, he was playing as one that was a variant on Games Master. That's fine. That's under understandable. Warren's side said Inspector Space Time. Are you familiar with the TV show Community? Oh, I'm not. No, I've never seen it. I've heard that it's very good, but I've never seen it. In Community, there is a British long-running science fiction television show called Inspector Space Time, which is, I'm sure you can guess, is a riff on Doctor Who. And of course, Warren is known for his association with Doctor Who-related audio adventures. That's a deep cut. I like that. And I don't know if that was done deliberately or it's just one of those weird cosmic coinkydinks, but it made me smile. I think that's got to be intentional. 100% that's got to be intentional. But also, I would like to now reclaim the nerd crown that you gave to Matty earlier, because I think that is a deeper cut. (laughs) At the end here, what we get is... Larry repeatedly using a tactic, and I'm not knocking him for it as well, because it's a tactic that works. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the Splatoon challenge last week, which is that he stuns Warren and then throws him, then goes back to charge his super move. Once Warren gets up and moves back towards him, he goes over, stuns him, throws him far, goes back to charge his super move, and eventually charges that super move and absolutely batters him with it to get the win. It was a really, really fun fight. It was a lot of fun. And I just want to highlight that someone I saw on Twitter, because, hey, why, why am I looking at Twitter, Luke? It just brings me so much joy. But they said of last week's challenge that Larry should have been disqualified for spawn camping. And I imagine they're going to have similar low opinions of his tactics in this, to which I say, mate, he's a child. Let's move aside from the little lad Larry character. Let's move aside from the fact that he's being portrayed as this all-conquering kind of like gladiator. He's a kid. It's a bit of fun, mate. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. He's a kid. Kids of that age discover there's a tactic that works. They're going to use it. It's only later in life when you learn about things like kind of like sportsman's agreement. And it's not a failing on anyone's part for him not knowing about sportsmanship or anything like that. He's a kid playing a game and having fun. I really hope you were joking when you said he should have been disqualified, because if not, you need to lighten up. Twitter in general needs to lighten up. Uh, Yeah, I'll give Warren credit on this one. He definitely had a stronger outing than Snoochie last week because it got a lot closer at the end. But even getting a sword couldn't defeat Larry, getting a gun couldn't defeat Larry. Yeah, Larry fulfilled on his promise, his pun-filled promise on the pre-match. He mech him cry. Mech, Luke. That's a quality pun. He may only be a kid, but he's got a great joke writer. I think it was his dad. Also, like, you know, he admits himself in the post-match interview. He used his strategies to take him down. You can't argue with the strategies either. They led him to a victory. And Frankie was impressed with his tactics, impressed with how he finished on an ultimate. Ty says, Larry done good. And Warren is like, you jinxed me. You, you said, you said, I, you said I, was go- I was good at dying. You said I died a lot and now I've done it here as well. So it's off to the abyss with Warren who has, I, I, maybe I'll, I'll pass to you here for, to give your review of, of Warren's acting here in the green screen section. Now, Larry delivers the thumbs down and Warren actually does a good job of grumbling and kind of like going, hey, get off to the gatekeepers as they herd him towards the chamber. Compared to Ketchup last week, compared to K-Pow, earlier this episode, compared to Snoochie last week with a, oh my God, this death is lackluster. It is very much a, uh... Ah. 
And that could have been down to direction. He may have been given that direction. Maybe the guy doing the green screen stuff was like, well, you die a lot. So just like, don't, don't, don't die dramatically. Just kind of make it go, just kind of make it a very half-hearted one, in which case you got exactly what you wanted. But if you make a big deal of a person being good at dying, you should let them shine on that, especially if they don't win the challenge. It's the payoff that makes this all worthwhile, though, which is as he is burning into the abyss, James Marshall goes, Oh, Luther! I remember now. Great stuff. Great comic timing. Fun challenge. Larry is a joy to watch. Obviously, we hope they get more than three episodes. I hope if they do, Larry is a staple feature, even if it's not every week. Keep him as part of it. And you know what? Build to the confrontation we all want to see. Barry v. Larry. Oh, I do like the idea of that. Very, very good. Perhaps even with the Games Master Golden Joystick, the original one on the line, passing oh, it down as a family heirloom. Maybe Rab with a hammer, as we'll talk about a bit later. Now, and yet another attempt to cash in on this treasured nostalgia product. E4 have demanded we have an official Games Master video game. And in a quite frankly desperate attempt to be youthful and relevant, they asked us to find out what the kids would like to see in it by literally asking kids. But in order to capitalise on this nostalgia, like this podcast is doing, they're going to make a Games Master game. And because it's E4, they need to appeal to kids. And what better way to make a game that appeals to kids than get kids to design it? Now, we're making something for E4. It has to appeal to the youth, be bang up to date and be cool. And with those criteria, Luke, how have we not been tapped to make content for E4? Because we're all three of those things. What with the Games Master podcast, me knowing who Steely Dan is, you know, we, we are literally prime beef for their slab. As I've literally written in my notes here, for Makers Only for E4, it needs to appeal to youth, be bang up to date and be cool. Well, that's this podcast fucked. Yeah, you're right, really. <laughs> it also means a whole lot of dubstep. So I'm fine with that. It is. They've brought in a special development team to make the game before this show airs. And I got such a laugh out of Frankie, Rab and Ty sitting on those tiny plastic chairs to speak to the kids, but felt so sorry for Frankie having to do that while pregnant. Her stance looked the most comfortable of all three because, you know, I'm not pregnant, Luke. You may have noticed, but I, I couldn't sit like comfortably like Rab and Ty were, I would have actually probably gone to to the Frankie stance. The Frankie there we go. The Frankie, <laughs> the stance. Frankie stance. It's a new it's a new thing. But no, I, I I loved this segment. This segment was so much fun. It reminded me of a section we're going to be talking about in series five, but I would argue way more polished and these kids by being capable of speech are way better. Oh yeah, these kids are so wonderfully charming about like what they want from a game and it is just unfiltered kids saying kid things and it's just lovely really you know you're like riding snakes around a village that would be the best game to kill animals to kill animals you need bouncy bums why because bums are funny i love ty going of course <laughs> that's what we've been missing this entire time Bums are funny, Luke. Bums are funny. The, you, the hero should be a wolf to face off against the chickens that don't lay eggs. They lay bombs that make you explode. And when you're making a boss, Luke, don't forget it needs to have three and two eyes. <laughs> so maybe, uh, and a bum bum mouth. And now we know what Frankie meant in the interview with her when she said, bum bum mouth <laughs> i did not know what to expect it sure as dickens wasn't this 
Oh, it's so good. And, you know, they, they even go through the plot of the game. Ralph is our hero. He's the only person left alive. Because, Ash, what happens to all of the other people? Uh, Brexit. No, they all turned into cows. That was it. They all turned into cows. Sorry, get those two confused a lot. And the game is going to be called Bouncing Bum Bums. This section was charming as fuck, and I loved every single second of it. And I especially loved that we wanted to know how the game would sound, and we did get kind of a snippet of a couple of girls kind of like singing and beatboxing, and Frankie, Ty and Rab kind of getting into it as well. And the developers pretty much translated that note for note. And therefore, this game that we see, which is a mobile game, because Luke, of course it's a mobile game, E4, this game sounds supremely annoying when we eventually get to hear it. But we go over to the devs and, oh, this feels very much like crunch culture in action. Although, I think in my head, I saw it more as being like a games jam. You know those ones mm-hmm. where you like you got 48 hours to make a game? I chose to see it more like that because these guys knew what they were getting into and it was kind of like a one-off challenge thing. But just the little vlogs they get where it's just like time's running out and they look sleep deprived and all the snacks and Jaffa cakes have gone and they're, they're, they're rushing to meet the deadline. We had this QA tester last week with Shanghai and now we've got developers in crunch time this week. It's a damning condemnation of the gaming industry as it currently stands. Aside from that, because you're absolutely right, it's a very, very fun segment because we then get the game in full. An actual working game called Bouncing Bum Bums, and you are facing off against a robot that has two and three eyes. And a bum bum mouth. And a bum bum mouth. Very important. There are chickens that lay bombs and explode you, and the kids absolutely love it. Rab, on the other hand, is less keen. Well, I mean, less keen is one way of putting it. Uh, hates it is a more <laughs> accurate way of putting it. Yeah. And we get to bomb the boss because the kids are still playing the game and Rab's like, oh, things could be looking up. And as specified, it has two and three eyes. It has a bum bum mouth. And could this save the game for Rab, Luke? Um, no. 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 As one child tries to destroy the laptop, the camera and the crew, Rab is hating every moment of this. But that doesn't matter. What matters is whether the biggest, baddest head honcho of E4 likes it. His name is Oscar. And Luke, he is another child, albeit a child, with an office in a car park. He is, and this is a direct quote, the most experienced E4 executive. No comment. Anyway, he likes the game. He thinks they did a very good job. He gives it nine bouncing bum-bums out of ten. That's a high score, Luke. That's a lot of bouncing bum-bums. And he needs a toilet. It's a load of pish, but he loved it, and that's all that matters. Oscar, about another series. Oscar. Oscar. This feature was a joy. The kids were great. I kind of want to play bouncing bum-bums, even though I know I would live to regret it. And yeah, so that's that. No new series. And an executive that's off to the toilet. I, I wrote in my notes here, this is the best show on television. I mean, I don't watch a lot of it, but this is one of the best things I've seen all year. And I absolutely adored it. More of this, please. I'd be well up for more of this. Something else I saw on Twitter, and I retweeted this last night. We're seeing a lot of people that were fans of the original show that are now grown up, have kids, and are watching it with their kids. There aren't many shows out there that have that cross-generational appeal, that ability to share something that you grew up with with your kids and it not be very dated standard definition VHS rips. Just putting that out there. 
I think that's a rarity and it may require a slight tweak to the kind of like the schedule it goes out. Maybe doesn't need to be quite 10 p.m. Maybe a few other kind of tweaks here and there. And it's not that I think there's anything wrong with the format as it is. Far from it. Just if you see a market that is currently untapped, go for it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's get into our next challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? I've pitted these two challenges against each other in the fast-paced multiplayer racing game Speedrunners. Created by just five people, this side-scroller had small beginnings, but it has since become a huge party game and a fiercely competitive head-to-head. Playing as one of the game's hallmark quirky characters, like a man dressed as a pink unicorn, a gorilla dressed as a doctor, or even a man dressed as a burger, the end is to outrun their opponent and leave them falling off the screen, all the while navigating the course's numerous obstacles and using their pickups wisely. The first to win three rounds will be victorious. I'm not going to say anything about this game. You go for it. You spent your entire stag do playing it. Oh, I mean, okay, so I am a curmudgeonly man on this podcast because these are newfangled games and I'm an old man and I have no idea about all of these new things. Not like my day when we uh, had onions in our belts and Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them. But this game is... I've seen bumblebees. <laughs> but this game is fucking dope. This game rules. I played this with some friends of mine a few years back, a number of years back at this point now. We played it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It is perfect with four people as a party game i still play it now in fact we play this in our office on a near daily basis because we sit around in our chill out zone area in our office 
boot up the PlayStation 4 and we play speedrunners and have so basically, you know, a win-loss record going for each of us around there. We even talked about one point about how introducing a secondary title that we would defend and just do it as a purely social media thing, just to give us more reason to play speedrunners. And as you pointed out there, my stag do was mostly us playing this game because it rules. It's so much fun to play. It's it's not the best playing of speedrunners I've ever seen, though. And I and I say that as someone who has seen people pick up and play this game for the first time and have played it better than the people who picked up the game and played it here. Uh, wall jumping is a bit of a tricky bugger to get round, but they are better than the people we got playing it here. It persuade this challenge made me want to play this game, but that's also because part of me was thinking, oh, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? I was kind of I was backseat gaming, Luke. I was backseat gaming on a game that I have never played before. I was a nightmare. I was a nightmare watching this at home because I was like, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. That's not how you do that. That did that wrong. Shouldn't have done that. What are you doing that for? But anyway, this is a one-on-one challenge, Luke. And which two people do we have going one-on-one? Hurry up, then. Who's next? Hi, Games Master. Who the hell are you? I'm MC Fixer and I'm a streamer. I'm Sunpai and I'm a content creator. So you both fancy your chances of defeating the other at my challenge on speedrunners. Free on. I play games every single day. I, I see. And you? Yeah, every single day on Twitch. You both seem annoyingly confident. You don't walk into this room and talk to a, a person such as yourself and not be confident. Don't try and flatter me. Thanks, Games Master. Thanks, Games Master. Do one. It also could be put. Who the hell are you? It's MC Fixer and Sunpai, who both seem annoyingly confident. Yeah, MC Fixer, he's another full-time content creator, host, live streamer, podcaster. He's got his own podcast called My Xbox and Me. Very confident, great personality, a lot of fun. Sunpai, similar, UK-based streamer, having a lot of fun, partnered with Elgato, which is just one that leapt out when I was looking at her bio page, because I'm like, I use a lot of Elgato gear. Maybe, Luke, maybe if we become E4 cool, I can get some Elgato partnership going on. The thing that I know Sunpai for the most is something that Rab will bring up in a little bit, and it is a glorious shaming of a total dickhead. Oh, yeah. But we will get to that. Gamesmaster says they're both annoyingly confident and fixes like, well, you know, you don't come into a room like this and talk to a man of your stature and not be confident. And Gamesmaster's like, flattery will get you nowhere. Do one. Do one. <laughs> Off they trot. Uh, Rab puts them over as entertaining creators and they talk about, you know, how they first met at EGX and stuff, which is a show that I know because Pete, who works in my office, has a hoodie based around it. And she talks about how, like, some part that is, talks about painting mc fixer's toes for one point to match his new shiny trainers that he's wearing yeah fixer don't like that being revealed i'm just like that's kind of adorable that's a real sign of close friendship i think fixer should have taken those shoes off and shown us his nice white toenails embrace it fixer but let's get into the meat of this because sunpai brings up a the the beef that she had with soldier boy over his console and i wrote in my notes here huh Soldier Boy had a console, and I went to the Google machine, I typed it in, and it all came flooding back, and I was like, oh my god, I'd forgotten all about this! It is a hilarious cell phone on Soldier Boy's part, and it's a marvellous exposing of a complete and utter tool. And not the first time either, because let's talk about Soldier Boy's 
first venture into gaming. It looked like a Game Boy. It played Game Boy games. It was a Game Boy. Nintendo told him no. Yeah, filled with thousands of unlicensed ROM, sued by Nintendo, and they even took the website down. And then he came back with another one. And also the markup on these was ridiculous. These were like $20, $30 things you buy off AliExpress and then boom, out there for $150, $200, whatever dollars. It was crazy. Then came the Sunpie one, whose Sunpai was one of a number of influencers and streamers sent this device to review. In fact, going by the screenshots that she sent, she was even offered money for the review. And she's like, no, it's cool. I'll just, I'll take the device and I'll review it fairly, which she did because the device is a piece of shit. And she pretty much said it's a piece of shit. And Soldier Boy goes on the offensive, calling a lot of distasteful words because that is Soldier Boy's thing. And basically going, nah, you bought it. I wouldn't send you that. Why would I send you that? And that's when the screenshots come out. And that's when, essentially, he ends up deleting a bunch of his tweets. Yeah. He looks a proper bellend. Speaking of looking like a bellend, he also claimed recently to own Atari. Uh, you've, you've almost got to applaud the man's gumption to be like, well, I'm to get, oh, you know, I've made it a career here. I'm now going to get into the games industry and constantly fail in this industry but still act like you're a winner within this industry. Yeah, but there's one thing to kind of like relabel shonky Chinese handheld, and that's nothing against the Chinese handheld market. We've both got a couple of them. They're fun devices, but I certainly wouldn't pay what he's marking them up as, and I certainly wouldn't be trying to be him selling devices full of copyrighted materials. But then there is the, I am now the CEO of Atari. We're going to go next level, big up and love to all my people at Atari. And Atari turn around and go, you're not the CEO. This is the CEO. You're crazy. At which point, Soldier Boy releases another video where he's basically, fuck Atari, fuck everyone that works at Atari, fuck anyone that's ever worked for Atari, fuck a lot of you, fuck Atari again, because I don't think I said quite enough how much to fuck Atari, fuck them all, I'm going to come back and fucking ruin Atari. No one cares about fucking Atari, Luke. Fuck them. You used the swear jar in episode one. It's my turn now, baby. I mean, I think it, it says a lot that the the company that he was working on the the, the handheld console uh the the trdr that uh, that sunpai reviews the company the spanish company that he was working with go games were a not aware of who he was and b had no idea of his patchy history within the games industry and had they known would not have worked with him in the first place and it is just it's remarkable he also after that one failed he then announced that he was going to do a third attempt at this, which was going to basically be a reskin of the PS Vita. And it just it never showed up because he's just full of a lot of bullshit. He's full of a lot of bullshit and I think a lot of drugs. Yes, perhaps indeed. You know, I'm not going to criticise anyone for smoking weed, but if you're this level delusional, maybe cut back on it a bit, mate. Maybe just ease up a little bit. Back into the challenge, though. Frankie gives them very solid advice, which is keep on moving. Hey, it's a game called Speedrunners. That's very, very solid advice. And get the weapons, because the weapons are going to lead you to your course of victory. Because in a two-player setting, you get around the thing and you get caught behind, you're dead, and the other person wins. When you're playing this in four-player, once one person is eliminated, the screen starts to shrink and just slowly shrinks until you have literally no more space that you can actually see what's coming ahead of you, which is where the game really, really kicks into gear. So I don't think that this is the best example of how fun speedrunners can be as a game anyway. But the Frankie is 100% bang on the banana here. The weapons are so important to, the, into your success in winning a game on this. 
So first round kicks off. They both pick up weapons right off the bat. It's very much like having not played this game before. I'm looking at it and going, oh, I kind of get this. It's a bit like Mario Kart. It's a bit like Micro Machines. And then you've got the kind of endless runner aspect of it. But there are circuits. There's circuits. And immediately, Sunpai hits what will really be her downfall. Well, one of her downfalls. And that is the vertical climb. And without having played this game, I looked at it and I'm like, if you don't have the timing right on this vertical climb, you're buggered. There, There is a rhythm to this. And it's the sort of thing which can often take me a while to get in the kind of 2D Metroidvania type games, which also have this kind of mechanic. The fact that she hadn't got to grips with it meant I was thinking, oh, wow, this could be a really quick three and done. A very similar thought, to be honest. When I saw that Sampai was struggling with the wall jumping, I was like, this is, this is Fixer's win easily this is going to be Fixer's win. The second I wrote that down, he then bollocks up the wall jumping when on the respawn to give her an easy point back. And I was like, really, it could go either way then. If both of them get to that wall jumping again and both of them bollocks it up, which is you know quite possible at this point. But it is it, it can be a bit of a tricky beast. In our office, when we play this game on a daily basis, there is someone, I'm not going to name and shame them, they can admit that to themselves, this is where they fall down quite literally, both figuratively and literally, they really struggle with the wall jumping aspect of it. And it always leads to their downfall and the reason why they never win on this game. Now, you've played this game, so you have an idea what the button configuration is. Yes. Is the grappling hook either above or next to the jump? So X is jump and square is your uh, is the grappling hook. So the reason why Sunpai is constantly spamming it out is because you, if you go back and rewatch this, there are portions of roofs that have got a white bar on it. If you grapple hook into that, you swing across and you get much more speed. You cover more ground and you go much further. I think that Sunpai figured you could do that on every surface. And so what she does is she just spams it the entire time. The other problem with that, though, is when you spam it, you don't get the full swing when you grapple onto a white roof. And so when she does get on there, all she does is just swings up and hits herself into the ceiling. She Her timing on it's, you know, it very, it's, it is what you would expect from someone who doesn't play this game an awful lot. And that is the other reason why she fails at this and why MC Fixer essentially just gets a fairly easy win at the end of the day. Sunpai swinging into her own rocket doesn't help her case. No. It's one time the the one time she really nailed the grappling hook and also the one time when it just absolutely was the worst time to nail that grappling hook launch. Credit to MC Fixer as well because he seeing that the rocket was coming for him stopped his running and went backwards so that it would hit her as well. Pretty smart move. She also had the best weapon in the game at that point as well. This really could have been her win here because not only did she have the homing missile, she had the grappling hook, which essentially switches places with someone. If you get hold of that someone, you instantly switch your positions. It really could have been a way for her to get some points back and claw some grounds. I was rooting for her. And as we get into the post-match, Frankie is just fairly straight up and blunt about this. She thinks some pie was button mashing. This isn't a button mashing game. And everyone was rooting for her until she swung into that rocket And at that point, it was game over. It really, really was, yeah. Uh, Fixer gets his golden joystick and he even gets to send her off to the abyss and ask her for being taken away. And as she's being taken away, she says, I'm not ready to die. I love that. That was so much fun. If only you had a grappling hook now. (laughs) Is anyone writing these down? This is some really funny stuff. And she plummets to her death with, you know, better death acting than Warren, just putting it out there. And Games Master with a proper zinger of going, 
Bet she wishes she had a grappling hook now. And then says, I hope someone is writing these down. This is some funny stuff. And I've written in my notes here, yes, Games Master, Ash and I are writing these down because I need to remember them for a podcast. Everything is being recorded for posterity. MC Fixer heads off with his joystick held aloft and Rab, as he leaves, goes, say hi to your dad. Because one thing I don't think we mentioned was in the, uh, in the introduction bit, Fixer talks a bit about his gaming heritage. And he started with a Game Boy, Mega Drive, Streets of Rage. He's really pandering to Rab on this one. But he's like, I'm a dad. My dad owns a video game shop. And I'm just like, cool. I should really try and find out which video game shop that is. But I did like Rab calling back to that and going, say hi to your dad for me. Yeah, lovely stuff. All right, Gredo. All right, Rab. I want to talk to you about a thing called a visual novel you ever read a book yeah mm-hmm. well what was the last book you read dick whittington you've read dick whittington twice who wrote that uh dickens or something did he dickens did charles dickens write dick whittington dickens. well what if i told you there was a kind of video game that was like a book so like a film what's the last book you read um finished reading or in the process of reading well, I mean, the, the question that Rab asks Grado, I suppose, is what was the last book you finished reading? So what was the last book you finished reading? The last book I finished reading was Hollywood Babylon. I picked up a hardback copy of it secondhand from a charity shop, and it's like a 1980s printing of it. So it's quite a nice little hardback. Are you familiar with Hollywood Babylon? Uh, I don't think I am, no. Basically, Hollywood Babylon is all the really seedy stories from the early days, the golden right. era of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah who did what with whom and with how much toot up their nose and stuff like that. So yeah, so a factual book. Uh, that was the last book that I finished. That, that sounds a bit more educational than Dick Whittington, which I assume Grado finished because he's doing the panto for it. Yeah, Charles Dickens, Dick <laughs> Whittington. I loved this moment. I mean, I love these segments. And let's just say these segments were definitely one of the more divisive parts of the reboot. You either love them or you hate them. And I think some of that does come from, do you know who Grado is? That's it, yeah. And I think people should give these segments more of a shot because their irreverence is no better or worse than anything on the original run of the show. This is better than Football Manager, Aholic, um, uh, Anonymous. This is better than Game Boys, Naked and Begging. Yeah, exactly. I, I think these are really funny. I actually find them funny because of the way that they're put together the the two shot that they've got the subtitling of it the fact that it is clearly unscripted and it is just rab and grado being rab and grado that is what really warms me to it the only part i think that these segments fall down is we don't really get to see enough of grado actually playing the game or sort of like interacting with the game or learning anything about the game you just have the two shot of them doing their funny bits and then 10 seconds of Grado going, playing a game, and they come back to me like, here's what I thought. Like, I think if there was more of him playing the game, then maybe there'd, there'd be more to this. But to be honest, the bit that I enjoy the most is the two of them just chatting. It's why their podcast is so good. One of my favourite bits of this was actually the discussion about what was the last book that Grado read. And he's like, Dick Whittington. Yeah, twice. Read it twice. But who wrote that? Pause. <laughs> Charles Dick. It's when he says Charles Dickens... Rab doesn't appear to corpse much, but he absolutely, in that moment, you just catch the corner of his mouth go, going, well, I didn't expect that. Because <laughs> yeah, he does go like, oh, Charles Dickens, was it? Charles Dickens wrote the book. It's so, it's just so funny. Although I kept getting distracted by the PlayStation 5 
sat in the background on the kitchen table. I don't know why I found that distracting. I think it's because I'm looking at the PS5 going, what's it plugged into? I think the other uh, time you, you almost see Rav break into this is when he said, because, you know, the subject of this week's Educating Radio is visual novels. And Rav explains to him, you know, what a visual novel is and then says they're really big in Japan. And he's about to say something else. And Grado talks over him and says, all video games are big in Japan, which is an which is a very, very solid response. I mean, visual novels, though, as Rab points out, they are bigger than big in Japan. I mean, the majority of visual novels are, if not made in Japan, styled to look as if they are. It, they, they fall in the manga or anime art style, uh, the structure. Also, a lot of them turn into dating simulator kind of things. And yeah, they're... Have you played a visual novel, Luke? Phoenix Wright, I think, sort of falls into the visual novel category in a way, because it is, you know, it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of text. And so I, I, if that does fall into the category, which some people argue that it does, yeah, because I played through Phoenix Wright, the original trilogy, multiple times over, and all of its spin-offs and stuff, because I absolutely adore that series of games um but i think those are pretty much the only ones i think could be technically classified as visual novels they are visual novel adventure games uh because while you do have the retry option there are points at which you can lose particularly in phoenix right the court cases spin out of control but there are also some visual novel games where it's just a case of this is a straight line and much as grado demonstrates you just click next 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 phoenix right like phoenix right is a straight line it's you have to present this right piece of evidence at this right point on this right statement otherwise the game won't progress you just get caught in a loop until you get the right piece into the right puzzle but you know it's almost point and click basically you're just rubbing everything against everything else on screen until it says you've got the clue right now we move on to the next part of this it's much like life, really, isn't it? You just rub things until it comes up right. That's how I got a kid. Luke, you made her born. I did make her born. I'm very proud of that. Yes, um, you should be. Well, well done. <laughs> Thank you well done. Much. I, I'm actually a big fan of visual novels. Uh, I love the Phoenix Wright games. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones out there. The one that they show Grado playing in this, uh, I believe, is Famicom Detective Club. It is, yes. The Switch re-release, yeah. Yeah, which looks and sounds gorgeous. And it's on my list of games to play i was hoping it was going to get a physical western release because this just feels like one i would have liked a nice physical copy of but actually what i've done is i've put it on my switch wish list and i'll just wait until it comes down in price a bit the switch is the perfect place for these sorts of games as well in the same way that the ds was perfect for phoenix Wright. um i i've, I've completed the original trilogy multiple times over on the, the ds versions but i also got it on my ipad because capcom did a really really good ios port of uh, the Phoenix Wright trilogy, which you can pick up dirt cheap, actually. You can pick up all the original trilogy in one, but they've also got the Miles Edgeworth games and they've got Apollo Justice as well, which, you know, I, I, I didn't like quite as much. And so they're very good for the Switch. They're very good for DS and they're very good for commutes. I got the Ace Attorney Chronicles collection on PS4 and I don't enjoy playing those games as much on PS4. I, I like them. To, I think those are handheld type things, which is why I think the Switch is, is perfect to something like Famicom Detective Club. Yeah, it, it's, it is a book. Yeah. It is a book. It's a great summary at the end is, hey, it's not really a game. It's, a yeah, it's not a game, it's a book. It's not, it's a 
I, but it is an it's an enjoyable interactive adventure. It's as much of a game as fighting fantasy is as any of those kind of things are. They're, as an FMV game is really. I'm fine with them. I like them. I enjoy them a lot. And I do agree, handheld is the best way to go because I'm thinking of the ones I've played. Obviously, I've played the Phoenix Wright Doki Doki Literature Club, which I'm amazed got released on the Nintendo Switch because holy sh**, that game gets dark. Uh, the Danganronpa series, which I played quite a bit of on the Vita. Oh, yeah, there's tons. There's tons out there. And if you've got the patience for them, i.e. if you don't mind reading, they're great. Yeah, that is it. They, you've, you, and, you know, Grado here, like, they, they make the point of the, you know, go and play one. It's going to take you 40 to 50 hours. They're not wrong. Like, Rab is not wrong there. These are long-ass games, and you really do have to commit to it and be on board for it. Like, my wife has been in the room with me while I was playing Ace Attorney Chronicles, and she was sort of flabbergasted as to how and why I would enjoy playing anything like this. It's not a spectator sport. It really isn't. And it was kind of hard to explain why I enjoyed playing them so much. But I just, I just, you know, I really, really do enjoy that series of games. For me, the answer is simple. And it's the same reason why I play a lot of the games I play and why I don't play a lot of the games other people play. I like a character that I can get invested in. And being essentially a book, a visual novel, if done right will have characters that you can get invested in, much as you would with a decent book. Welcome to Helensborough, the home of the great John Logie Baird, the inventor of this thing that you're watching, this show on right now, the television. Right, okay, fair enough. I know that you're not actually watching it on television. You're probably watching it on your phone while you're sitting on the toilet pan, but just go with me here. Now, I also don't own a Nintendo Switch but the way that Rab talks about the Nintendo Switch in the, the next segment we've got on this show where he reviews uh, the, the new version of it really, really makes me want to get one. If not for the fact, actually, I really want to play Metroid Dread. But this does look like a really nice bit of kit. Last week, Rab took us to the sugar boat to talk about lost treasures. And now we're in Helensburg. Luke, why are we in Helensburg? Well, because it's the home of John Logie Baird, who created... The thing that we're currently watching, Games Master Ron. What, our phone on the toilet? Exactly, and most likely not, because we're watching this on our phones in the bog. Although last night, watching episode two on YouTube, I was watching it on, on the television. So was I, yeah. Just don't let the YouTube app on my TV, which actually makes it much harder to find some videos and stuff. You have to go through the channel and everything. I just clicked on the bit on my phone and then and said, show it on the TV, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technology, Luke. Got to move with the times, Daddy-o. This is an E4 show. I had my phone right there. I could have done that. I was making I was making it hard for myself. I think I was in the Discord on my phone being like, where's the Premiere gone? We're looking at the Switch OLED, and I said this in our Discord chat last night. I'm with Rab. Rab says, you know, people out there wanted a 4K Switch. They wanted faster processor. They wanted more RAM, this, that, and the other. And Rab's like, I didn't want any of that. You know, better build quality. That's what we've got. A bigger screen, a nicer screen, better blacks, which is something he read on a tech site, but it's something that will come with an OLED panel. I don't think they should fart ass around just doing like kind of a Switch Elite or a Switch Plus, like make like they did with the Xbox, uh, the Xbox One where they did the kind of the Xbox One X, which then caused even more confusion when you got to the Xbox Series X or the PS4 Pro. I think that's a mistake. I think a smarter move for Nintendo will be sell your Switch Lite, sell your regular Switch, sell your Switch OLED, and then in a year or so's time, give us the Switch 2. Give us a new console, not a, a bumped up console. Give us a new console 
But, and here's the kicker, Luke, and here is where I think they will diverge from my dream idea. Let's remember what worked with the Game Boy. Because you had a Game Boy, and you got a Game Boy Color. What could you do, Luke? Play Game Boy games on it. And even better, you got a Game Boy Advance. What could you do, Luke? You could play Game Boy games on it. And fuck me, Luke, an original DS. What could you do? You could play GBA games on it. Bit of backward compatibility. It's not killing anyone, and actually... Given how people have taken to the Switch, I think Nintendo would be very smart. Whilst it's been a slightly half-assed way around it, they have begun to embrace their legacy again via the Switch Online channels, via the various games that they've had for time-limited periods, like the Mario game and the Tetris game and all this stuff. Please, Nintendo, be smart with this. Don't just go, and here's a new console and the door is shut on the old one. Just use the same cartridge port maybe have an extra widget like they did between the DS and the 3DS on those cartridges and and give us the backward compatibility. That is more likely to make me buy the next Nintendo console at launch than any sort of hardware wizardry because it's what it did with the PS5. It would play my existing games, which I still had a backlog of. It would be a lot quieter. It is a lot quieter. And it would have the, the room for growth, the room for expansion. Plus, if you get a new version of the Switch, a new console, whatever that may be, you're probably going to want to play Metroid Dread because this game looks amazing. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Some friends of mine have played it and absolutely loved it. But the thing that really, really got me like wanting to get a Switch and wanting to play Metroid Dread isn't just because I'm in a Castlevania mode at the moment, so I've been playing Symphony of the Night and I'm also playing um, Aria of Sorrow as well. It's that like Grand Pooh Bear... Has, he's taken a bit of a backseat on speedrunning as of late because he's got so much into his Mario Maker content. But Metroid Dread, the way that he was put on Twitter, was like, this makes me want to speedrun again. And then going watching him on Twitch like get better at the game and stuff was really, really awesome. It proper makes me want to like dive in and play it. So yeah, I, I, this was a great review for Metroid Dread. You know, Rab talks about the subgenre that Metroid created. And then Castlevania sort of like expanded upon to create the Metroidvania subgenre of gaming. And yeah, I'm, I'm totally, totally in for playing this. And it gets the whopping five finger special. Yeah, I mean, Luke, what's he going to do next week? He's running out of fingers. <laughs> he certainly is. Um, should we get into our final challenge then? Because we have got a heck of a final challenge here. What are we playing, Games Master? For this challenge, I'm setting an unsuspecting challenger a terrifying task on the award-winning 2017 hit Cuphead. Cuphead is a fiercely difficult boss-battling run-and-gun game in a setting styled on 1930s animation. An array of moves, super-quick reflexes, and a lot of practice are needed to win. Cuphead is regarded as one of the hardest games of recent years, and the challenger will have only three lives to defeat the formidable frog bosses, Riddy and Cropes. However, this next challenger is not new to the Games Master arena. Having faced and defeated one of my challenges some 27 years ago. And outrageously, he's back to try and claim a second golden joystick. Now, I know this game is hard. You know this game is hard. We took a break during the recording of this episode. And during that break, we saw Games Master host Frankie Ward playing this game on stream. And by the torrent of bad language coming out of her mouth. Guess what, Luke? This game is really fucking hard. This game's proper nails. You know, it, it's kind of famous for being nails as well. And I think that there are some people who got 
pretty good at it who then think that the game is then easy to play and if you can't do it then you're a you're a doofus it's kind of in a sort of a similar way that people who can drive often have a pop at learner drivers and it's like well you know there was once upon a time when you were a learner driver as well carpet is dead art like christian here makes it look easy you watch someone like mexican runner play this he makes it look easy i've played this game we used to play it for screen stalker back in the day I don't actually think we released the video. I found the back-end version of it unlisted. It is hard. Really, really, really difficult. And watching Frankie play it was a real reminder to me. I was like, oh god, yeah, this game's really difficult. It made me both want to play it and also never go near it in my life. Yeah, because the style of it is so cool, right? The animation style, the way it's presented is really cool. The music is great. The characters are really, really cool. As a fan of that style of animation, it does make you want to just sort of like seep yourself into that world. But then you play it for a bit and you're like, oh no, this game is f***ing annoying because I keep dying again and again and again and I keep failing at the same point again and again and again and I want to pull my hair out. I proper guffawed when we were watching Frankie play the stream and she said, I'm not feeling very well, so I wanted to play something different that would be a bit relaxing and I thought this would be a bit relaxing. And I said to her, I was like, this is not a game to play to relax, Frankie. Like, this is a game that will just drive you insane. I can see why you might think it would be a game to relax, because it disarms you with its kind of like uh, Fleisch style, Betty Boop, that kind of that style of 30s animation where everyone's always kind of dum 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 moving. We've talked about it before with that Mickey Mouse game, which was actually kind of shit hard, but because it was shit, not because it was good or by design. And this game is notoriously tough and it would take a special kind of challenger to face down a challenge like this and boy howdy luke do we have a special challenger we do not just because he is an og golden joystick winner but also because this dude is our age i mean more specifically this dude is kind of my age and it doesn't make me feel old it just makes me feel very badly maintained. Oh, hi, Game Master. My name's Christian. I'm from Southwest London. I remember you. Season 4, Episode 6. Completing the Donkey Kong time trial in 36 seconds. History speaks for itself. Well, that was child's play. This is another level, not the band. I'll let the joysticks do the talking. Enough of that. Good luck, Christian Din. Okay. Thanks, Game Master. Two golden joysticks? He must think I'm made of money. Of course, I am. Yeah, Christian here looks like he is still in his mid-twenties. Maybe even early twenties. It's it, He's got a picture in the attic. That is the only possible explanation. That or he has a kind of case similar to the one his original golden joystick sits within. And he kind of seals himself in it at night, like uh, the one family in that episode of Eerie Indiana where the kids went to sleep in Tupperwares at night to preserve them. It's the only thing that makes sense. This dude is effortlessly cool. And he's cool in front of the Games Master. He's got his joystick with him. And the Games Master is not happy that he's come back. He's like, two joysticks. I'm not made of money. Actually, I am. (laughs) I love that. I'm just like, what is a giant sentient head made of? Money, apparently. Money and the tears of the defeated. 
Yeah, Christian from Series 4, which we've recently just finished, is back here on Games Master. I'm really pleased that it was someone that we have covered recently. And, you know, someone who's been in touch with us in the past as well uh, about being on the show and wearing a fabulous 3DO shirt in the Donkey Kong Country challenge that we had. It's great to see Christian back on the show. So cool to see him come in with that legacy joystick and then really putting over the specialness of this challenge of this is someone who won a joystick in the 90s, who is back here to become the first ever person to have one of those and the 2021 version. He, you know, should he win this challenge, spoilers, he does, he's going to make some form of history here. And that's really, really awesome coupled with the extra added element of danger. Because Ash, what will happen if he doesn't win? Rab is going to go full Triple H. He never leaves Scotland without it. He's got his hammer. And if Christian loses, I presume not only will he get sent to the abyss, but before he does, he will have to witness his prized possession, something that Rab has no idea how much he loves. His original Games Master Golden Joystick will be destroyed with a hammer by Rab. And you can tell as much as in awe as Rab was of that OG Golden Joystick, he really wants to smash it with a hammer. He takes a few practice swings. I wrote in my notes, when Christian does win, I was like, Rab looks gutted. Rab looks like genuinely annoyed that he didn't get to smash this thing. If you were an original Games Master Golden Joystick winner and you had this chance with the, st the same stakes in place, would you have taken it? No. <laughs> same here. No, no. It's a one-of-a-kind thing. I'm not risking it just for the sake of possibly getting a new one. I'm, I'm, I'm winning, winning two would be awesome. I'm not going to deny that. But to risk the old one, that would be the thing that puts the willies up me. Ooh, or maybe you kind of go the Hudson Hawk route and you accept the challenge, you make a fake. <laughs> Put that call into Jack and get a fake done. Yeah, there we go. That's the way to do it. But no, we are reminded of the stakes. And as you said, Rab really wants to destroy this. Christian really doesn't want to see his prized possession destroyed. But I can understand the allure of this to go double or nothing. Because, worst case scenario, these are the only three episodes of Games Master we get as part of this reboot. That cements the fact that this is a unique situation to be in. If Christian is successful, spoilers he is, but if Christian is successful, no one else will ever be able to make this claim. Sure, they can buy a joystick, but to actually win, Christian will be the only one. Like Highlander, but cooler. And what I find remarkable about this challenge, it's, you know, the setup for it is incredible. The stakes are incredible. And Christian, as I wrote my notes here, natural showman that he is as well. Absolutely like charisma pouring off the screen. Good looking lads. Is that he makes this look like a piece of piss. This is not an easy boss. It's only really like the second boss that you encounter on there, Ribby and Croaks. And it is like, you, know, you encounter them fairly early in the game, but even then, it's still really difficult. It's hard enough in two-player when you've got the ability to resurrect yourself, but in one-player mode, to do this and not take a single hit is like, that is world record level territory playing. I watched through some of the speed runs of this, 
And the way to do the fastest route for this is to actually take hits. I watched the Mexican runner do it at GDQ 2019. And he got the S rank on it, which is to do it. He did it in 53 seconds and didn't take a single hit. So that's still 53 seconds. Christian does this in what, one and a half minutes, one minute 33 and didn't take a single hit. That is an incredible, incredible level of skill. My notes on this challenge go, challenge gets underway. Christian is absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. there There isn't much to write about this challenge because most of the exposition and kind of material we get from challenges here on Under Consultation comes from when people make mistakes, uh, whether it's a single player mistake or whether it's where it's one-on-one and the other person makes a mistake like we had uh, earlier with Sunpai and the grappling hook. But Christian, just just cool as a cucumber, yeah. chill as a mountain stream, just breezes oh, just through this challenge. This challenge is both the most exciting challenge we've had yet on this revival and also the most boring because once we get through the first bit of it, I'm just like, oh, he's in no danger. But I was happy because I'm just like, this is amazing. This is absolutely unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this again. I, you know, I say I doubt we'll ever see anything like it ever again in the future. And if we do, it won't be quite as cool because this was the first time. Like you, my notes for this are quite sparse. I've written here, Christian makes the through phase one with no difficulty and phase two with no difficulty. He nearly one shots the guy, basically, because like you have like one cycle. You, have, you parry the, um, the lever thing on the slot machine. You, you, hit, you parry off that lever and that sets up your next phase, right? Like you know, whichever thing that the slot machine is going to spit out, at you, you've got to jump across. He nearly one cycles it. That's insane. I was like, I've written here. He's nearly one cycled the final act. Knockout victory. That was remarkably easy. He made Frankie a happy woman and Rab a sad man. I love the way that he just jumps up, punches the air. The joy is so real and a relief as well because his joystick is no longer going to be annihilated by rap. That sounded less filthy in my head, but we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, I, would, I didn't mention this earlier, but you know when they made the, the stakes, they put the stakes out there, and Rab's just like, it's double or nothing. You either win or I destroy this. There's an audible gasp, and they have a reaction of a guy literally going, <gasps> like putting his hand up to his mouth, like, no! It's like The Undertaker's streak ending all over again. So good. But yeah, Rab is not happy. His hammer gets no blood tonight. Christian is, as I say, overjoyed. The crowd are applauding. And Rab then says, wouldn't it be fun? You know, wouldn't it be a bit of a jape just to smash the joystick anyway? And you can almost see the colour draining out of Christian's face. He's just like, no. No, it really wouldn't. No, it it, it very much would not be. I do not think that would be very funny at all, Rab. We don't get a lot of the uh, audience interaction uh, in this, because I, I, you know, I met, we said this on the day out episode, they were going to have to cut around a lot of it, and I think they've just purposely picked out the good comments that they've got from people. And this was a perfect challenge to get comments from people, because if you, even if you don't know Cuphead particularly well, the emotion of the challenge and the incredible level of skill that Christian showed, you can easily make comments on that. And a guy was just like, "Yeah, you can tell that he put the work into that." And I ask a woman who says like. He must have practiced that a lot because it's a hard game. With this amount of pressure, it almost felt like it was nothing to him. Like These were excellent audience comments as well that we got from Ty. Yeah, the second set of comments actually um, come from someone that uh, works for Pocket Gamer. So Ooh, cool. there we go. Yeah, Jupiter Hadley. Very cool. And also, just as a quick update, 
Frankie is still playing Cuphead as we uh, review this portion of the show. I do want to give big props to the first person that uh, Ty spoke to for for just going, you know, absolutely nailed it. Got the grade B, B for bad man. And I'm just (laughs) like, oh, I always think Ty was like, God damn it, I could have used that line. That would have been a good one. But there was a moment in this when I thought Games Master was about to turn very dark, even darker than kind of, you know, destroying a legacy golden joystick, which is when Frankie says, you know, Rab is going to have to take out his aggressions on some other poor unsuspecting victim. And that's when Rab turns around and goes, Ty. And I'm just like, oh, bloody hell, that escalated quickly. But, you know, Rab says, fair's fair. Bring this man one of our golden joysticks, 20th century and 21st century joysticks together. Chrissy two sticks, dual wielder, if you will, one under each arm. And I love as he walks out, he does the kind of the spin. He does that kind of like slow spin, the showing off spin. And you know what? On some people, that would be cocky. For him, he is a legend now. That 100%. Is totally, totally deserved. Now, we didn't get a chance to speak to him in Series 4 because, as has happened quite a few times to us, we do an episode, it drops, and then out of the ether, someone appears and goes, hey, I was on that episode, and of course, it's difficult to rewind time and do it again. But thankfully, as Christian is here now, we can reach out to him and we can talk to him about his experience on the 21st Century Games Master. So originally, this was going to be an interview conducted online with myself, Luke, and our guest, However, the internet, which is how we have recorded this podcast since the pandemic began, absolutely crapped out for us earlier. And so thankfully, our guest lives very local to me. So we're currently sat in the future venue of Under Consultation Live. I'm joined by Christian, who is now Games Master's only two-time cross-generational golden joystick winner. Yeah, bask in it, my friend. You deserve (laughs) it all. How are you doing, sir? Oh, first, thank you for having me, uh, Ash, and uh, in spirit, Luke. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm really excited to be on. It's a sort of thing which I think when we first heard about this show coming back, that me and Luke thought, oh, it'd be great if they got an original challenger back on. But we had no idea that that they would, or, or that they'd actually be able to do it, or that someone would step forward. But let's go back in time a bit. You've been on season four. You've defeated the Donkey Kong special. You are now the owner of both a Games Master Golden Joystick and a very cool Panasonic 3DO shirt. <laughs> when I first uh, listened to the podcast, or the episode you guys did on my, that I was on, and uh, I was laughing so much how you making fun of the shirt being a long sleeve shirt or a, a sweatshirt. <laughs> I thought it's, it's a t-shirt. It's just it was oversized. It didn't fit me properly, but I was determined to wear it that day. If it came across as making fun of it, I was just like, I kind of want that. The Panasonic 3DO is one of the consoles I've always wanted to own, but I still haven't. So anytime I see anything 3DO related on Games Master, I'm always like, <laughs> one day, one, one day, day that console, one day. that console will be mine. But speaking of gaming systems, obviously you were a gamer when you were on Games Master originally with Donkey Kong Country. Yes. What is your history with gaming? Where were you at the time of the original series? And also, where did you go once you were the golden joystick holder? Um, My very first uh, system I had was an Amstrad, uh, where you stick in the tapes and you would wait for it to load watching the scan lines. 
and for it to just stop and it didn't finish loading. And you go, oh, I waited 10 minutes for this and start again. Um, I wasn't a big gamer then. I did play, I did go to the corner shop to buy lots of one pound games and play, but I, wasn't, I didn't follow the scene that, that well. I wasn't into it that much, but I just played what I had. It's only when a Christmas and my parents bought me a NES. That was a surprise because I did ask for one and they said, no, it's too expensive. And then one day I woke up and it was there. And from then on, I fell in love with a Nintendo. All my friends had the Sega Master System. I had the Nintendo. And yeah, that was where the brand loyalty lies. I grew up after that, Nintendo all the way. I got the Super Nintendo after that. That was around the time where the Games Master Series 4 was. And I was heavily into the Super Nintendo. Um, I would save up all my pocket money and buy any game. I'd buy all the magazines, see which games were rated high. I would just go and buy it. That was, that was me. And basically back from school, rushed to do my homework straight away. It's just so I can sit there and play because my mum would come into the room. Have you done your homework? i say, yes. Because all I see you do is play games. Play games, play games. No work, no work. I said, I've done the work. I've done the work. I'm playing games now because I've finished the work. So you were, you were SNES and you stayed Nintendo. So does that mean you were with Nintendo 64 that you fell on that side of the 32-bit wall? That's right. Um, when I had the NES, more of my friends had the Master System. I just didn't fancy it. And then um, Super Nintendo, they had the Mega Drive. I don't know what it was. It's the sound or uh, the graphics was better on the Super Nintendo. I couldn't remember which because every time I played the, say I had Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo, then I would play the, the Mega Drive version. I mean, this, this is horrible. I don't know. That was just maybe because I was so loyal to Nintendo. <laughs> I'll just say, I think it was, um, was it the sound or the graphics was better? I think when it came to ports, the SNES had the higher ground a lot of the time. Mm. If a game was developed for the Mega Drive from the onset, it could very much hold its own. You listen to your Sonics, your Streets of Rage, they sound, there is no oh, way yeah, the yeah. Super Nintendo mm. could sound like that. But if you go for like Mortal Kombat, as you mentioned, or Rock and Roll Racing is a great example. Mm. It sounds oh. amazing on the Super Nintendo. Oh, I love that game. Have you, have you wavered from Nintendo at all? Have you, have you, have you crossed to the dark side? Well, yes, uh, I, I do have a multi-systems at home now. I didn't get the, the GameCube. That was the one oh. I didn't get. I had the N Nintendo 64. Then uh, when I went it started college, I, my uh, love of games just dropped. It wasn't like a, a gradual drop. It just literally dropped. I, I, I left the loop. I wasn't into games that much. I picked it up again slightly. I mean, the PlayStation was out, PlayStation 2. So I, I bought those systems. I have all the PlayStations. So 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. I did have an Xbox, but I had to, I thought, you know, similar games, choose Xbox or PlayStation, or rather than have both because I don't play that much. I just like to have the system. So later, I had a big gap in the middle of my uh, life until I would say 30s. I started buying the systems again just to have. So whenever I was bored, I could just turn something on and play even mm. though I don't have that the time to play it due to having two girls and taking up most of my time yes yeah, so I've got all the playstations uh, Nintendo Switch I did buy the Wii the Wii U and the Switch <laughs> so I have a Nintendo it's still my my first love in consoles and it always will be so you mentioned you don't have as much time to play games now but when you do play games other than Cuphead what do you play even even up to recent times, I didn't play many games. I played, the main game I was playing was FIFA. Just to keep up with that game, you have to give time because I was playing the ultimate team. So you have to play weekly, uh, daily, just to get up to date with them, um, getting the amount of points and that. So then I gave up on that. I said, it's taking up too much time. I'm never going to be at the level that the other players that have the time to dedicate to it. So I thought, 
I give up and I just play whenever I have a bit of me time I thought something fun or something light I just pick up and play something um I do pick up a, the switch at the the Super Nintendo the emulator I forgot what it's called in the store where they have where you can play all the old games oh the channels the the, the Super Nintendo like the, the gaming channels on the switch yeah yeah, yeah. so I'll be playing those but then I do find the games a lot different from what I remember them to be. Um, maybe because I don't have the patience for each game anymore. You play it for a bit, five minutes, think, oh, either it's too difficult, put it down, try another game, or think it's not the same as what I remember. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'll just pick up something to play for about half an hour, an hour. That'll be my routine every day. That's still, that's still a good routine to have. I think you still end up doing more gaming than I do at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you've got two kids. Other than them, what interests you have outside of gaming? It's difficult to find time. Um, I play football once a week just to keep active. The girls do take up most of my time. My youngest is into Roblox, so she plays that a lot. And some, she asks me to play, so I play that sometimes. And my eldest is into PC games, but that is just her with her headphones on, talking away. So no involvement from me. <laughs> you just go in occasionally, you check the pulse, make sure it's all fine and just... <laughs> no, I could on. hear her from the other room. Oh, cool. Screaming right, yeah. and shouting, yeah, and laughing, so... Um, yeah, that, that's it. I, I wish I had more time to play games. And the only, the only time I could play is if I would sacrifice sleep for it. So I would stay up later than I should, you know, play a couple of games and then uh, wake up tired the next day, lacking sleep. And it'll be a cycle <laughs> every day. I've definitely never done that in the past, <laughs> past week. Obviously, as we've covered a lot on this podcast, there was the call out at the beginning of the year. Channel 4, E4, Future, we're looking for a sponsor. Then it went quiet. Yeah. Then around August, wheels were actually beginning to gain motion. And eventually they did put the shout out going, we want contestants. What point did you become involved in this? <laughs> I had no idea there was a re- reboot. It's funny. Uh, my friend who is a big PC gamer, he, I have to shout him out because uh, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been on Games Master. His name is Jake. He messaged me. He sent me a link to an article from PC Gamer. Uh, it was dated the 15th of September saying um, Games Master is back and uh, they're looking for contestants. And, I, and he said, you should, you've been on it before, haven't you? I said, yeah. He goes, you should go again. You know, apply as a, as a previous winner. And I thought, no, you know, that's, that's, that's a long time ago. Isn't, don't, don't, isn't that for kids? Only kids apply, right? He goes, no, no, just go back as a, an, old, an old guy challenging the kids. I thought, no, no, no. So I dismissed it, but. After I stopped talking to him, I was thinking, it was in my head, constantly in my head thinking, hmm, sh- maybe, maybe I should inquire. Nah, I shouldn't because I thought, oh, I'm too old now. I don't play games as much. I wouldn't be able to compete with the kids these days because my, my girls are really good at games, whatever they play. They pick it up so quickly. And I just thought, oh, I can't keep up. There's too many games. They were so advanced now. Uh, went home, sleep. The days passed, another day's passed, and it's always in my mind. Should, maybe I should just inquire. So I, I went to Google, typed in um, Games Master Auditions. I found an ad and it was like, do you play video games? That's the sound I hear when I read it. Uh, Hollywood wanna... announcer voice. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, do you want to be on a challenging TV show? And I thought, this must be it. So I saw an email at the bottom and it, the, the date it was from, like you say, it was about August. I thought, oh no, I probably missed the boat. And, um, and he sent me the article about four or five days ago. So it's, it's now about the 19th, 20th of September. Probably they probably filled the gaps already, but I've just emailed anyway. So I emailed and I said, "Oh, I was on it before. I'd really love to go on it again as a as an old 
old dad trying to see about how I fare against uh, playing modern day games. Didn't hear nothing. I thought that was it. Uh, the next day I got an email from a junior saying, oh, we love your story. How can we have a chat? And then my eyes lit up. I thought, oh no, th this is it. This is the next step. I thought, what do I do? I'm so scared now. I thought, I didn't want to apply, but I did want to apply. So I thought, oh, what, do I do? what do I say? What do I say? So I just gave my details and uh, he called me up. We had a long chat. Next thing you know, a few weeks later, we're filming. Not, not, not even a few weeks. It was about two weeks later, we're filming on set. It was such a short period. So that makes me think that if I did not email him that day, they probably would, that would have been it. I wouldn't have been on because it's so close to filming. Well done for getting in and also well done for catching their eye because it has given us what I think is the most unique challenge I mean, on in, this series. In my initial email, I had to throw it all in there. You know, I was on Games Master. I, I, I won the challenges. I was on, I was on Games World. I just, I just threw everything in there just to, to try and grab their attention, to, you know, just to stand out from probably, I thought there'd be hundreds of emails coming in. But um, when, he, when I spoke to him on the, on the phone, and then we spoke via Zoom later. We were talking about all the possible challenges we could do. And I did, he said, what do, you, what do you think? What would you do if you was on the show? I said, oh, there's so many angles we can go. Obviously, if you want me to play a new game, we could play something of similar type of platform game to Donkey Kong, but a modern version, if you want me to showcase that game. Or we could play Donkey Kong Country with the two contestants that um, I played against on the original show. But then we thought, no, how could we get hold of them? Especially uh, nowadays, you know, back then there was, we didn't keep contact. There's no information they kept. So I thought, no, that idea is out the window. He goes, okay, think about it. You have a think what we can do. Maybe we'll speak tomorrow and uh, come up with some more ideas. He called me tomorrow. He said, leave it to us. We'll, we'll, we'll think of a game and just give it to you. That was when I, I knew, oh, does that mean I'm in then? <laughs> Did I pass the test? <laughs> because they gave me so many interviews in the way that they said, speak to the camera answer these questions or read this passage. It's like a testing to see how well I spoke because I, I do remember back then, I was so nervous, I didn't want to speak on the microphone. And a lot of the, the, the kids on the show, they, you know, I think I heard you say, it's like uh, trying to get blood from a stone, speaking to those kids. So <laughs> I think there was just testing to see how, um, how maybe talkative or you know, how talkative I was, but yeah, it was great. Well, I was gonna say, on camera in episode two, you were just exuding charm and confidence. <laughs> Like, and youthfulness. I mean, I hate to bring it up, but having like, you know, TV can often deceive, but you do not look your age, sir. Well, like, you. I'm, I'm not feeling old. I'm just feeling badly maintained. <laughs> so you, you got through the process in record time. How long before the challenge did you, did they go, it's Cuphead? There was five days before filming. They said, get practicing with, you know, with modern games, just just play games just to get back into it. And I thought, let me try and jump ahead. One, they, they're going to play something similar. What games are similar on the market? They probably want to show PS5 games because that's the new system. So I, I, I thought maybe they're going to show Ratchet and Clank. So I, I just played it. I just played through all the levels, get as far as I can. So I'd be as comfortable as I can. Three days before, they called me, the producers, and said, um, right, we're thinking of uh, giving you a game called Cuphead. And I thought to myself, Cuphead? I have seen that game on the Nintendo store, but what is it? So I started researching Cuphead. I thought, why would they want me to play this? And I thought, oh, maybe because it looks a bit retro-y. Okay, uh, that makes sense. They said, so um, possibly Cuphead. So if you want to get it, practice. I thought, okay. Any clues of what the level is? Level is? They said, no, just just play it. See how, see how you get on. 
So I, I, I bought a cuphead. Now it's two days before actual filming day. I bought cuphead on, on the switch and the first level was run and gun. I thought, oh, this is like Donkey Kong. This is going to be the same. So, you know, it was a run and gun level. And I, I was playing that to death on that night that I bought it. So a good two hours of playing it, practicing the run and gun. I thought it might be a time challenge. So I was practicing to do it as fast as I could, not get hit, do it as fast as I could, did it. Then now we're, we're on to like a day before they emailed me and gave me the challenge, which is it. it's going to be Cuphead, one of the boss levels, but not the first few levels. I thought, oh no, that's what I've been playing on the first, first couple of levels. I thought, oh no. So I actually have to complete the, the levels to get further, to access the further levels. And then they said, also, it's going to be on the PC. So you'll be using a PS5 pad. I thought, oh, I bought it on a Switch. So I've been playing it with the tiny Switch Joy-Cons. Uh, mm. I thought, okay, what do I do? I know it's only a pad, but sometimes if you get used to a pad, you want to be able to be comfortable on that pad. So I thought, what do I do? What do I do? So I quickly ran out and bought a USB dongle, plugged it into the Switch so I could use my PS5 pad. They still didn't tell me which level it was. So I was like, oh, what I'm going to do is just practice all the levels and they are so hard. It was so difficult. Every level I was struggling. I thought, oh no, which one are they going to pick? Then later on, it's still a day before they, they, they messaged me later, said, okay, we're going to pick the Ribby and, Ribby and Croaks level. And they said, are you happy with that? I said, yes, I'm happy. And I just practiced. And I, I thought, I don't want to sacrifice sleep because I want to be, have enough sleep to go on the show. But I do want to get some practice in. So I did stay up quite late up to about 1 a.m. So I had about two hours because I had to work that day as well. So I didn't oh, get to no. practice. Yes. If I had the whole day, that'd be all right. But I had to go work. I didn't get home till late at dinner. And then I thought, okay, let me play. Let me play. I just played for a couple of hours. And I thought I had to go sleep now and be fresh for tomorrow. And then went to filming. And that was it. In my head, I would have assumed that just building up to the point where you just said, and then X days before they said, oh, it's going to be Cuphead. I, my brain was going, oh, you'll have played it on the Switch because it no, was no. one of the big games for the Switch or you'd have played it on the PS5. But no, you walked into what is one of the hardest platform run and gun type games of the past decade. You didn't know what the level was going to be until two days beforehand, less than that actually, no, the day before, and you had to go to work. Yep. Whereabouts is your natural gaming skill level? Because that's insane. In a way, now I think about it, it is a type of game that I used to play years ago. You know, it's a run and gun and you have a boss at the end. Mm. The style where you jump in avoiding. It's like, um, I think of, I used to love the Contra or Pro Protector games. Similar where you're, you're running, gunning and um, collecting icons and jumping and avoiding bullets. So I used to play those games quite a lot. So I put that down to muscle memory in my fingers and mine from 30 years ago playing those kind of games but it was such a hard game i was playing i'm thinking i don't remember these games being that hard but this was very very difficult but yeah i i, I never i never had a cupcake apparently it was out 2017 i i have seen it on the store but i had no interest to, to even look at it so that's why when he said cuphead i said i do know that game but why that game <laughs> then i had to research it a bit i thought oh okay so you had your game, you had your platform, you had your challenge, you were able to practice before going to work. At what point did the whole double or nothing come into the equation? In the initial talks where we were coming up with ideas, he did throw, Junior, he did throw that idea and he goes, what could we do? Uh, so one of the options was come back playing the same game again. Or then he went away and he said, how about something like you put your old, uh, golden joystick 
on the line. I thought, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I didn't want to, but I thought, I'm going to say everything he wants me to say just to get on the show, right? He's like, so how about you do that? I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, no, we, you know, just, just to give a storyline for, t- for, for TV, we probably won't smash it. I said, no, 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 I'm happy, I'm happy. Whatever you guys want to do, I'll do. Only um, when they told me the challenge, um, they did say that the idea we're going for is to bring your joystick in and double or nothing. And if you lose, it will get smashed. And I thought, they're not really going to smash it, are they? They're just going to say that, you know. When I got on set, they, they had to make sure before I got there, can you bring your joystick? Can you bring your joystick? I said, yeah, yeah. They'll email me, make sure you bring your joystick. Yep. The producers on the messages, have you got your joystick? Yes, I have. I've, I've wrapped it up. I put it in my duffel bag and I'm bringing it. When I did arrive on set eventually, they're like, have you got your joystick? I said, yep. Can we see it? Yep. I have to show you. I do have it. I'm not lying. I do have the joystick. <laughs> they did say that one of the bigger producers came over and says, we are going to go ahead with the double or nothing. And if you lose, we will smash it. But don't worry. You can maybe take away one of the new ones. And in my head, I was like, but that's not the same joystick, is it? I said, is it the same one? He goes, it's similar, similar. I said, can I see it? He goes, it's away there, but it's similar. And when he said, I thought, that means it's not the same one. And that's the one I've had all these years. Okay, it's too late now. I'm here. I thought, I'm just going to make sure I beat this level so I don't lose it. Just out of curiosity, was this the first or second day of filming? It was the first day of filming. When they told me Cuphead, they still didn't say when I was coming on. They said, just keep Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday free. <laughs> and this was Saturday, they told me. I said, okay. So they go, you got, you got um, some time to practice. And I was thinking, okay, Monday, Tuesday. Then they called me on Sunday. Is it possible you could come in tomorrow? In my head, I was thinking, I've hardly played, practiced this game at all. I'm at work. I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? In the back of my mind, thinking, I'm putting the joystick on the line. I think, oh, I need to practice, but... I said, yeah, sure. Monday's fine. In my head, I said, no, it's not. But I'm like, yeah, Monday, no problem. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. <laughs> where is it? They said, we can't tell you. Oh, I forgot to say, they are so secretive with everything. They didn't say where the venue was, nothing. No, they didn't want to tell me anything. Only the last minute, they sent me the address. They said, just go to Abbey Wood and someone will pick you up. <laughs> wow. You got there and all the way along, they'd be going, have you got your joystick? Have you got your joystick? Have you got your joystick? Yep. Mm-hmm. You get there and it is a case of, yeah, if you lose, we're going to smash your original golden joystick. I mean, yeah, that was the first I heard smash because I thought it would just be made to look like you lose it. Give it, give it to them. They keep it. I lost it. Put it in the abyss. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. To say they're going to smash it. I thought, smash it? I thought, oh, okay, that make good TV. But then <laughs> I thought, would have. But then that's my, um, that's my most favorite thing in the world, <laughs> my golden joystick. Other than your two Yes, daughters. yes, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's in your top three favorite things in the world. Top three, top three, definitely. <laughs> not, not ranking them. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not ranking them at yeah. all. <laughs> what sort of time is it in the day when you get there and you find out that it is going to get smashed and now I guess you have to go to kind of the green screen room and you have to start preparing for the filming? I, I mean, before I got there, they told me... This was on when I spoke to the producers. They said, you be prepared to be there for about five or six hours. In my head, oh, that is a long time to film like a really short thing. But I thought, yeah, of course, that's fine. So be there at one. Uh, I got to the station, was picked up by a lovely girl called Anna. She had a, a piece of paper with my name on it. I thought, oh, wow, look, I feel important. She took me to the car and I said, oh, where are we going? She goes, I cannot tell you. And I don't know if you've seen Squid Game. That just shot into my mind where... Before they go to play the game, a van picks them up. 
they get into the van and they sleep in gas. They're knocked out and I thought, and they get kidnapped. And I thought, this is going to happen to me. As soon as I get in, I said, where is it? She goes, you'll find out. I said, you can't even tell me. She says, nope. I thought, oh dear. So I was expecting the sleeping gas to knock me out. And, <laughs> but I got there. It was one o'clock. And I was the only one there. I got in the green room. There was nobody there. They said, oh, they'll be arriving shortly. They didn't turn up until two. So I was there for a good hour. Just um, nervous. Just twiddling my thumbs. They said, oh, we'll get you a... If you want to practice on the game a bit, we'll, we'll get a system set up for you because it's not set up. They didn't set out for me. Then the other challenges arrived. Uh, they started setting up their systems for them to play. I thought, oh, where's mine? Where's mine? They said, oh, we'll try set up later. But are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But inside I was like, get it set up because I need to practice. The night, the last practice I got before I went to sleep, I had a piece of paper. I was doing tally chart. Every time I, this is the one take, do the challenge. Mark off whether you, you fail or not. And I was a 30% uh, win rate. So that's how bad it was before I went to sleep. So imagine going to sleep thinking, oh, 30% is not good enough. I need to practice. So hopefully they'll let me practice before I, I go on. So that's all that was in my mind. I said, set it up, set it up. Let me practice, let me practice. Then they said, oh, uh, Christian, could we have you uh, in, in the, the VT room to film some VT scenes? I thought, okay, so still can't, can't practice. <laughs> that's all that was in my mind. Practice, practice. Filmed, filmed, oh, they're great guys in there. Um, James, Hannah, Will, uh, fantastic guys. Made you feel so comfortable. Um, filmed all the, all the scenes, talking. Finished that and I thought, can I practice yet? Can I practice yet? They said, oh, we're still trying to find where we could set it up because there was not enough um, screens. In the green room, they had two screens and they set up the two other challenges on those screens. I'm like, where, where am I going to practice? They said, uh, just hold out, Christian. You know, help yourself to snacks. So we'll, we'll, we'll find somewhere where you can practice. So I was just playing it cool. And whilst in there, it was so relaxed. Everyone was so friendly. I've never met a production company where everyone is so friendly. All the production crew, everyone is so friendly and accommodating, making you feel welcome, making sure if you're hungry, tea, coffee, they'll get you everything you need, which is great. So all the guys there, they was like, oh, is that a golden joystick you have there? I said, yes. They said, can we see it? I said, yes. So when I went off to do my VT stuff, uh, they were taking pictures with the golden joystick. <laughs> I, can't, I didn't find out until weeks later. They sent me the photos of them all holding my my old golden joystick and as if, you know, taking pictures of it, which was funny. I found that hilarious. But yeah, I didn't get to practice. Um, only, I would say it, it, it was about four o'clock. Bear in mind that they, they said um, audience are coming in about six. So it was about four o'clock. They said, Christian, we've got you set up. So that's about three hours in since I arrived. They said, we've we got something set up downstairs in a separate room. If you want, you can go down there and practice. Uh, went down there and I got my good half an hour to 45 minutes practicing. Slowly, my, uh, my win rate was uh, improving, but still not where I wanted it. But I thought, you know, this is the best I can do. I'll see how it goes. Just wing it, I, I suppose. So you'd done your practice. At what point did you meet Rab, Frankie and Ty, or right. the hosts? The only person I met was Frankie, because they said, when you go uh, practice downstairs, Frankie may pop in and uh, talk to you a bit about the game and about the level, um, just familiarize herself with it. And uh, I said, okay, so I'm sitting there practicing, but half expecting her to come in so I can uh, give her the lowdown of what's, what's, what's going on. She never popped in. So I was just sitting there um, practicing, but I don't know why I wasn't focused on just practicing. I was kept thinking, when is Frankie coming in? When is Frankie coming in? I want to meet her. She never, never came in. And we went back up to the green room. Then, then she turned up and introduced herself. She was lovely. She just came in all smiles and um, spoke to all the challenges there. I was just giving tips on the games they were playing. 
she didn't give me tips because uh, she was asking me like about the level, but she's giving tips on the, to the other channels and just watching. I was in awe of how how much she knew about everything. She was just so in depth. Her knowledge was just great. But no, in terms of my my challenge, no, she didn't really talk to me about it. And that was only we only met Frankie. I didn't meet Rab. Uh, didn't meet Ty. So the first time you met Rab, yes, was <laughs> walking through the door, yes, with your OG golden joystick. A That's magnificent it. entrance, by the way. Your confidence <laughs> on screen. You would never tell you were yourself. Put it oh that way. Just before that entrance, I tell you, um, we had to stand outside that door waiting for the queue to to for it to open. I was there for a good 10, 15 minutes, and I was so nervous because I thought, "This is it. This is it." But it wasn't it because they kept me standing there, right? And I thought, okay, what should I do? What should I do? And there was a, a guy on the team, on the crew, he was talking to me. I forgot that I was mic'd up. So the, the sound guys was listening to everything I was saying. And I was just asking them about 110 questions. What should I do? How should I enter? Where should I stand? <laughs> I was asking him all these questions. I was so nervous. And he's like, do whatever you want. I said, no, no, give me, give me something to do. I, thought, I don't want to do whatever I want. He said, just do what makes you comfortable. I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to do some... WWE style wrestling entrance <laughs> just to <laughs> I mean given Luke and mine's background in wrestling it popped us because you know <laughs> that's the sort of stuff we expect and we want out of an entrance I thought let me uh, let me get the crowd involved uh, you know involve the crowd a bit in my entrance so I did that I don't know if you remember I was like trying to yeah, up the, the crowd whoop them up a bit yeah yeah what I was disappointed is um the day I filmed because it's the first day they, they they'd said um there's not as much audience there weren't as many audience as, as we would like because it was so late notice in terms of, um, you know, putting the ad out there to be in the, in, 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 in the crowd. So it was only like a few people at the bottom, bottom floor level. There was no one at the top. It, was, it wasn't that full, but um, otherwise, uh, yeah, they would have got more, I would have got them more riled up with my, uh, <laughs> my antics. But yeah, that was the first time I met Rab, standing on that spot there. I did want to speak to him beforehand, just, just to meet him, so I, I would feel less intimidated. But no, they said, you know, whatever he asks you, just respond how you would. So keep it natural. Um, so ethics off the cuff. Whatever he asked me, I responded. And hopefully he just responded to me. But when I did see him, I was so scared of him. I don't know why. He had this look in his eye. He wanted to smash that joystick. When, when he got that hammer, I was, uh, oh, I was pooping myself. I was like, no. But he, he gave me this look. And um, there was a scene, I don't know. Everyone was referring to him as Rab, right? I was saying Rab, Rab, Rab. And then... Uh, I don't know if you remember, I called him Robert. I, I was so scared. He looked at me in between takes. Um, I wanted to talk to him just to ease my nerves a bit, but he was um, muttering his lines over and over again under his breath and then um, focusing on, and he was changing his lines just to see which one works better. He's such a professional. And I thought, oh, I can't interrupt him because he's, he's um, rehearsing in a way. I, thought, I just got to stand here and wait until he asked me whatever he asked me. And then when he, he asked me that question, and then, are you nervous? And I called him Robert because I was so scared of him. And it was so cold. So my legs was bouncing. I was kept bouncing. I was just so cold. It was interesting because I imagine by now, everyone will have seen at least two episodes of the new Games Master. And they see the doors you come into. And unless you went to the location, you may not realize that those doors lead outside. And all you've got back there is essentially a black tube sock <laughs> with a light at the end and a smoke generator. So if you're outside, you're yep. outside. And it was cold that it day. It was so cold. And also smelt quite bad. The smell was the last thing on mine. I was just so cold. I was like, when are we going in? When are we going in? But um, yeah, we, we went in and I was just so cold. My body was shivering. My legs was bouncing all the while trying to hold, stand still and uh, respond to his questions. Yeah. So you get through the interview. 
Rab has his hammer. He never leaves Scotland without it. <laughs> and then you get to do the challenge. You head towards that chair. Yep. Obviously, the cameras are on you. The host's eyes are on you. The audience's eyes are on you. And obviously, you're aware that with the camera comes the audience at home. What is going through your mind? That's when all the pressure hit me now. I was so nervous as it was. I sat down and thought, this is it. You know, fix up, focus. If you lose, you will lose that joystick that you love so much. So just uh, concentrate. But it was so difficult because I was standing outside for so long that my hands were freezing cold and it, they were numb. So I picked up the, the control band and I thought, I can't feel my fingers. I cannot feel my fingers on my right hand to press the buttons that I need to press. I thought, what's going on? So I, I put my hands under my legs and squashed them in and I was trying to keep them as warm as I could whilst they were filming other takes, other scenes, just to warm them up. I thought, I can't play like this because I can't even press the buttons. So that, that was panicking me a bit. I was glad that it took about five minutes from when I sat down to when we started playing. So I had a few minutes to warm my hands up. And also once my hands did warm up and I was holding the controller, on the screen is the map before you go into the level. And the whole audience could see that I was running the guy, the cuphead in figures of eight. I was just moving him up, down, up, down, figures eight. I was that nervous. I was just constantly moving. I couldn't sit still. Like a fidget spinner. Fidget spinner. So I was moving the character in a figure of eight, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And the audience must be looking at me. He's, he's, what, what is he doing? <laughs> he's like a fidgeter. <laughs> I was that nervous. I just couldn't sit still. I thought, hurry up with the challenge. Hurry up with the challenge. Because I was just sitting here dying here. Can you remember much of the actual challenge itself or were you just zoned in on the game? I was zoned in. I mean, just before I, I was, I mean, the last few goals I had, um, I did say my, my rate wasn't that great, but the last few goals, I, I smashed it every time. So I was quite confident. Um, I sat down and thought, let me just focus now and then um, just block everyone out. But I could hear Rab in the background and, and Frankie as I was playing and then Rab was uh, kind of trolling me, just saying, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, and, uh, don't yeah. make it. I could hear him. So I was smiling in my head, but I was just focused. I said, just relax and you'll get through it. And when I did, when, when I did beat the level, oh, the, the, the emotion, the joy, I just let it all out. I, I, screamed, I screamed the place down. Like, Come on. <laughs> Obviously, we saw the YouTube premiere. Uh, this will drop on our free feed after the E4 broadcast. We've been lucky enough to get uh, the press screening copies. And I think I actually messaged you after I'd first watched the press screening copy. Yep. And I believe I just sent you a string of expletives <laughs> because I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. You didn't just complete the challenge. You zero hit it. Oh, yeah. I was, I was really happy about that. In my mind, in hindsight, I was like, why didn't I try to make it more difficult? Because there's a... A part of the Why game. Why didn't you try and make it more difficult? <laughs> in terms of, um, I, they didn't show on camera, but I got a grade B, right? I wasn't happy about that, but that's the maximum you can get without parrying. Um, there's the three parries you can do each level. Mm. If you hit those three parries, you get uh, an A grade. And I thought, should I do it? That's what I thought I should have done, but it would have made it a bit more challenging. And I thought, that is not the task at hand. So focus, just beat the level, get the joystick, and then done. B for Batman. <laughs> B for Batman. That was a great line. I almost could see Ty going, God damn it. That was a good line. I wish I'd had that one. It was a good one. It's just a shame they didn't show that on screen. So some people didn't know what that, what that was referring to. It was to. visible, but only, on, yeah, only just. Just, just, yeah. Obviously, we see you get up, punch the air, scream, and then you're stood calmly opposite Rab. <laughs> I imagine a good amount of time was between those. And Rab still has his hammer yep. and then posits, wouldn't it be fun... <laughs> Now, 
Maybe they did some post-production trickery, but I'm fairly certain the colour drained out of your face because you thought he was serious. And to be fair, so did I. Yeah, when he said that, I was like, no, 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 no. They cut it shorter, but I was like, no, no, no. And he was seeing what the audience was saying. They were like, no, as well. They were on my side, which is good. Rab doesn't destroy your joystick. He has to go and smash something else up. I'm sure there was some like bricks outside. He could go and take out his rage on. (laughs) And you get your second Golden Games Master joystick. One under each arm. Chrissy two sticks, the dual wielder. (laughs) Chrissy two sticks. What were you thinking as you left? I love that you did the turn. You did the kind of the wrestling turn, the spin. Yeah, it was difficult. I wanted to do, I wanted to hold them out and, and do the a 12, but my joystick, the, 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 the case was not attached to the base. So I had to hold it in a certain way that didn't allow me to hold it how I wanted to. But yeah, I wanted to do the turn, make it look a bit, um, just to bask in the glory a bit more and uh, to milk any, any camera time I could <laughs> as, as I was walking out. So post-challenge, did you actually get to speak to Rab then or was it literally you only ever spoke to him on set? I tell you what, I was really disappointed because um, I was the last to be filmed. Mm-hmm. And this is the pact with the other challenges. We said we're going to, in the green room, we said we're going to stick around and support each other all the way. So the first challenger went out. We were there cheering him on. The second challenger, same. Come to my challenge. It was so late. It was about 10.30. They said, oh, we'd love to stick around, but we've got to go home. <laughs> we've got work tomorrow. I was like, no, you left me. It finished. Everyone's like, okay, that's it. That's a wrap. Pack up and go. I didn't even get to speak to Rab, which was uh, wow. such a shame. I really wanted to. I spoke to his agent in the green room longer than I spoke to him. But yeah, I would have loved to speak to him. But it was, that's a wrap. Everyone go. Audience home. Get the last train or you won't make it home. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was. Well, whilst it may not have been the all for one, one for all ending you hoped for, I think you get the last laugh on this one because... <laughs> Obviously, we hope there's more Games Master. Obviously, we hope they come back for Series 8B or Series 9. Yes, of course, of course. But if this is it, you will have done what no one else in history has done. Won two separate generations of Games Master Golden Joystick in two separate centuries. That's the the selfish part in me is hoping that that's it. But um, I do really want there to be more more series and episodes. So if Games Master does come back, triple or nothing? Of course, why not? Of course. I'm confident enough to go triple, quadruple, whatever it is. <laughs> Actually, here's a quick question. If you'd lost, the joystick would have been destroyed. 100%. That's what they told me. Would you have also gone in the abyss? Oh, I think so. Did you film an abyss scene or? Yes, I did actually. Ah, I did. Man, that's even harsher. It's like we're going to yep. destroy your prized possession just, and, just, then and then kill you. Just die, yeah. <laughs> film it and just go and die in the abyss. But yeah, I filmed, this, I filmed that, which was um, hilarious. I'd love to see all the, the footage that they filmed that they didn't use. That'd be great. I did say, I did say to uh, Emily, the, the producer, that um, you, you've got to make like, as if it was like a DVD extra, just of all the, 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 the green room scenes. It would be hilarious to put it together and let us watch it. So, two-time father, dual joystick wielder, also possible owner of uh, the Spring of Eternal Youth. That is out for debate. <laughs> What is next for you? Are you actually thinking, I might play more games now? Or, or is, is this made you go, I never want to put anything in peril with the joypad ever again? No, it's completely opposite. I, I, I'm so into games now. It's like it's reignited the light that was slowly dying inside. But yeah, I've always loved games. It's just I haven't been able to dedicate as much time 
But um, ever since this whole Games Master thing has popped up, just playing the games again has just reminded me how much fun they are. And uh, I will keep doing it until until I'm old and grey. Don't know when that is, though. <laughs> twenty-one, twenty-one. by the way, you're going at the moment. Oh, thank you. They did ask me a question. Games Master asked me a question. What is my motto? And I said, play games until you die. Christian, thank you so much for speaking with us. Oh, thank you for having me. And now it's going to come an awkward edit point because I'm going to throw back to Luke, who will act like he has also just spoken to you. (laughs) But because technology failed us, he's just going to sound a bit weird. So (laughs) thanks again, Christian. And hello, Luke. Thank you, Ash. And thank you, Luke. You might be wondering, if you listen to that, why we didn't ask him about his appearance on Series 4. Well, that'll be because we've got something a bit special planned for in the new year, if everything comes together, where we will be speaking with Christian again about his time in hell with Dominic Diamond, and perhaps potentially a few other people from uh, the, the past four series that we sort of missed along the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. A nice kind of collection of missing pieces and curios and filling in some of the gaps that that should be some fun so that was a really fun final challenge and then we get the jazz outro thank you so much for joining us catch you next time on games master Now, when we we were present for this ending, we were actually present technically for all three endings. They did some takes. Whether they're the takes they use, who knows? But I remember being stood there with you when they went in for this and they had the stools out and they all put the sunglasses on and we were asked to kind of like click our fingers and stuff. And then out comes the gatekeeper playing the saxophone. And my immediate reaction was, is he actually playing the saxophone or are they just piping in some music? Which would be weird because that would be easier to overdub in the edit. He goes past and the sound travels and I'm like, well, maybe it's a speaker in the saxophone. And then I look and I'm like, no, the dude is actually wailing on a saxophone. Some some really nice playing. And my only question is, when this was filmed, it was a lot longer. And I think there were some additional talky bits about why it suddenly turns into a jazz club. Those sadly seem to be missing. Maybe there'll be a bit extra on the non-YouTube cut. Because obviously the YouTube cut, which is the one we reviewed, and it's the one that was provided to us. Thank you very much again to Kian and to Channel 4 for sorting that out for us. The extra 24, 48 hours we get makes the world of difference for a note-taking position. I'm hoping there's a little post-credit scene. Because obviously we see Ty, we see Rab, we see Frankie. They're all clicking their fingers. They've got the sunglasses on. They're swaying to the music. We cut to GM, not for the first time in his omnipotent existence. He's wearing sunglasses. And part of me hopes that maybe there's like a bit more of it, or maybe the saxophone plays over the end credits. It will be interesting to see on Wednesday, kind of when this episode goes to E4 with its full credits, if we get something a little bit extra. I remember when they filmed this ending, I turned to you and I said, that's Games Master. 
Like that's a real like Games Master outro, and it really felt like Games Master, and it, it was a it was a great moment to be a part of. I also remember the original idea was they would do the saxophone bit, and then we, the audience, would a clap, and that clap would then be played over the the credits and whatnot. And I can't remember who it was, but someone like you know someone in the production said like I know everyone should just click rather than like I think you know it was either we applauded or we weren't joining in. And then someone said, no, I think the audience should join in as well. So then we all did start to click along with it. And in fact, you can see me in the uh, the outro portion of this, really getting into my clicks and really enjoying the the, the cool jazz vibes, the yeah. nice jazz vibes of, of this outro. Although you were much more aware of your positioning, which is why you're visible, whereas I was just kind of stood there, I had my head down and I was clicking and I'm like, yeah, feeling the music, feeling the jazz. Welcome to Jazz Masters, Luke. Great. <laughs> It's such a great outro. I remember when we spoke to Keen about this. It wasn't in the final edit because we uh, we cut it out for spoilers. But he did say to us that, like, hey, you haven't seen anything until you have seen Sir Trevor McDonald nodding along to jazz music while wearing some Ray Bans. It's a beautiful moment. It's one of a number we've had over the past two episodes. Oh man, Luke, we've only got one left. I know. Next week's the final episode of Series Eight of Games Master. Before we get to that, Ash, Series Eight, Episode Two. What did you make of it? Last week's episode was great. It was a really good episode. It was probably one of the strongest starting episodes we've ever reviewed. Uh, for a series that was coming out of hibernation after a very long time, with an entirely new production team, an entirely new on-screen team, an entire, an entirely new everything. Really, it was remarkably strong. And I think that's a credit to the passion and the skill of those involved, the care that was put into the edit. And those things that bothered us were very, very minor. It scored 88. We both gave it the DeLorean, which is a really respectable score. I I took a look back at series one of Games Master. Not many episodes in that series scored above 80% because it was very much a show finding its feet. And goddamn, this show found its feet really quickly, like episode one. So what is episode two? Episode two, a bit longer for the edit, possibly a bit more time for Kean and co to put their polish on it in post. Interestingly, as I alluded to earlier, not a lot of this episode was filmed on the third day, so I'm wondering how much of it was from the second. So on our day recording, I think we saw five challenges. I hope my memory's holding out that way. In episode one, we saw two of those challenges. We saw Snoochie, and we saw the Mortal Kombat challenge with ketchup and mustard. This episode, we saw the speedrunners challenge. And that means that we have two challenges we saw being filmed to be part of episode three. One of which is kind of funny, and I'm really curious to see how they frame it. The other of which, now we've had a couple of challenges that have been labeled as tough. In fact, I would say at least two of the challenges on this episode are hard as nails. The first one, the death loop one, tough as all get out. The cuphead one, absolute murder. There is one challenge to come in episode three that I think, for my money, is probably one of the toughest challenges of the of the run, purely because it's one where the player will start at a disadvantage. An incredible disadvantage as well. Two, two disadvantages, yeah. really. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of top this episode because, oh, everything just clicked. Everything yeah. just worked. Everything was just great. Um, Little Lad Larry was a star. All the competitors were great. Even when the challenges didn't end in a victory, they were still entertaining. The segments, the kind of like the the VTs, VT, 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 they were great. The bit about the armor was both funny, but also really just points out one of the issues still in game design, 
I loved the visual novel section and I loved the uh, Switch OLED section. It was all great stuff. I'm trying to think score-wise because here's the thing. This is definitely higher than 88. Mm -hmm. I would say this is definitely up into the nines. Same here. But I'm trying to pace myself knowing two of the challenges we have to come. It's a weird situation to be in. We've never really been in this one before. So I think I'm going to go to 92. Okay, that's good because I had 91 written down. Um, I think I would have gone to 92 if I had a colleague section because that's what I, I, I missed my colleague section in this episode. You know what? You're right. I'm actually going to knock it down to 91 <laughs> for the lack of a colleague section. So yeah, yeah so we're, we're both staying in parity then. 91 each. Yeah, I think so because like this was an excellent episode of Games Master. Not just the new series, just Games Master et al. It was the challenges were all really fun. The segments were all really fun. The competitors were all really fun. The commentary was great. I had a lot of fun with this episode and it was tighter than episode one. Any quibbles that I had, minor though they were, were all gone from this episode. And I can't wait to see next week's one. I'm gutted that next week's the final episode. Like it's, it's you know, almost a relief in some parts because it's the end of our like mental schedule that we've got to uh, get through. But at the same time, I'm gutted because I, I kind of want more from this. I really hope we get more episodes out of this, this era of Games Master. This is an episode I'll gladly watch again just before it drops on the free feed, although Patreons, hopefully you will hear it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I will look forward to seeing the reaction all over again, seeing the Twitter, seeing the Discord, seeing what people make of this show. It's finding an audience, Luke. But even now, I'm still seeing people on Twitter go, how didn't I know that Games Master was back? Yeah, that's in the we'll talk about when we get to the wrap-up episodes. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you are one of our Patreon backers, you should have heard this slightly earlier. Maybe it might just be a couple of hours earlier, but you will have heard it slightly earlier than everybody else. Uh, but if you are listening to this on the free feed, you can go over and join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash under console pod, where you get the episodes ad free and slightly early. Thank you again to Christian for being on the show as well, uh, who is part of our under consultation discord Ash, what is a Discord? Like magnets, Luke. We just don't know. Wait, no, we do. It's a place where people can chat and can hang out. We now have two Games Master Golden Joystick winners hanging out in our Discord. We've got Christian, or who now is a two-time Golden Joystick winner, but we also have Amber from back in Series 3 from the Dex Express who won by playing Mr. Nuts um, and then Muhammad Ali boxing on the Mega Drive. She joined us recently and just... Uh, her kids were curious about the golden joystick it came down from the loft it's still in remarkably good condition it's a great time to join our discord to chat with us to chat with other listeners to chat with patreons to chat with people who've been on the show it's a great old community and we're doing watch alongs for this new series of games master every week admittedly next week will be the last week but we're still going to do it anyway and yeah i'm really thankful for our community i'm thankful for our patreons i'm thankful for our discord I'm thankful for the people that interact with us online. It would have been very easy for things to get weird and nasty over the past couple of months with some of the reactions this new series has gotten. But I am immensely grateful that everyone we interact with on a regular basis is mature and somewhat sensible. So we will see you in seven days time 
for the final episode of Series 8. It's time to get your pencils down as well because we've got a wrap-up episode coming the week after. So get your thoughts in your head. Uh, record an MP3, write us an email, feedback at underconsultation.com because I'm excited for that wrap-up episode and I'm really, really looking forward to next week's episode as well. Me too, especially as we've got yet another interview, possibly two to go with next week's episode and another interview for the wrap-up episode. Luke, we've never talked to so many people. It's crazy. So that's going to do it for this week. Take care, everyone. Pew, pew, pew. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.